Welcome to Black World and with Ray and Dia. This is a podcast about fantasy and sci-fi. It's about the characters we've had and the ones we should have. It's about the spaces we make and the places we live in. It's about the worlds we've built and the ones we're building. It's about the Black Diaspora, baby. It's about you. It's about me. It's about us. Well, it's always about us. Let's, let's get, get it. it. Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Black Worlding. As you know, you know, we like fantasy and sci-fi, right? But mm-hmm. with fantasy, we have magic systems and magic in general is always kind of fascinating when we start reading these books. Truly, like magic for when I think about magic systems and why they're so important is because they like work as our framework for how we understand the world and world building. And a lot of times uh, they can tell us more about not just the character motivations, but about, you know, the motivations of the world itself, of the culture, of those kind of things. Um, So when we're thinking about like this conversation, we're going to hit a lot of different beats about what a magic system is. What are the components of that? What does that look like? And just as a thing to note, when we're talking about magic systems, we're also talking about power systems, right? Because we know that maybe magic in those terms doesn't always exist in what we would think of as a sci-fi book, but a lot of them do have power systems. So we're using it magic and power system to be part and parcel with each other. Yeah. And then of course with magic, it usually determines how the world works, what our main character can do. So we'll touch on some abilities and even, you know, animals of that world can be very different right? Like we don't have dragons here, but I'm sure all of us have heard of Aragon, right? Like those type <laughs> of things influence what their character is able to do and how they solve their problems. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, awesome. I think let's go ahead and jump into it. So um, when we first think about, it, we're thinking about like rules and guidelines, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the rules that you think about? Okay, so when I think of guidelines or like rules that I'm looking for in a book or movie, series, whatever, I think I'm always looking for, does it, you know, what costs are associated with magic, right? There's just not an endless supply of it where they can go and do things. And if it is, then is there a backlash? And can anyone in the world use magic? Is the entire world magical to a certain degree? Or are there people without magic? Or is it a hidden world of magic, as we often see? Um, Another thing that I'm usually looking for is when can the magic be used, right? Like, are they at their strongest with the power of three? Are they, you know, the witching hour only at midnight? Is it, hey, (laughs) is it, is it, hey, like... I can use smile magic during this time, but I'm at my strongest during whatever time, you know, a call, call out the twitches. Okay. And if I had to name one more, like seasonal kind of thing, right. Is it seasonal? Like, are you at your strongest at Sozin's comment? Like what's going on with that? And is magic given? Can it be bestowed upon you? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how many anime, anime fans out there, but you know, is it like All Might's power where you can bestow upon this to someone else in a generation, right? And oh yeah, yeah. can it be taken away, right? Can it power be given and, and taken in a way like um, Avatar The Last Airbender? We didn't know up until the very end of Avatar The Last Airbender that it was possible to take someone's bending. And I think that's right. an important factor right. 
in the consequences of somebody's actions. But those are those are mine, at least what I'm looking for. Um, what about you, Dia? Do you have any like guidelines and rules for, for magic systems? Yeah, so I think about a couple things, right? And like one of the first things I'm always thinking is like, is it uh does when you have or are doing this kind of magic, do there have to be like an instrument, like a conduit or a focus kind of thing that needs to be used? So like are we using wands? Are we using pendants? Like do we not have that? Or is magic just coming out of our hands, right? <laughs> Are we casting spells? Is it incantatory magic? Do we cast magic without speaking, without all of those other kind of stuff, right? So just interesting kind of ways. And, you know, because I think a lot about the the active practical part of it, like how is it being used? What's happening? Um I also think about, you know, what are the different schools of magic, right? Is there more than one type of magic in this world? How do they overlap if there is a different type of magic, right? You know, like when we think about um, our world, for example, right? There are different traditions of what people would have called yeah. like folk magic practices and things like that, right? So does this, do these worlds have that? Do they invite that in? That's always interesting too, which again, ties up to what we were thinking about a little earlier when it tells us maybe a little bit about the culture of what this world looks like. Yeah, I was just thinking about the cultural aspect because I know we're going to talk about Avatar La Last Airbender in this a lot, just because the magical world there is so great. But yep. When I think of that, I think of how they didn't have sexism in the traditional ways in Avatar The Last Airbender, mostly because women could bend too. Like where yeah, we saw yeah. sexism mostly was in what type of bending they did. We saw it a lot in the water bending society where women were mm -hmm. expected to heal and be nurturing and men were expected to fight. But when it came to the Fire Nation, Fire Nation gave zero shits. They were like, mm -hmm. so you can bend blue fire, though. You got lightning, right. though. And I, I think, think that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting about that, too. See, already hopping into a tangent. <laughs> we ain't but five minutes into this. But within that world, you see, because of the magic, right, you see constructs of gender or hierarchy play out in different ways, right? Of course, like, we see maybe there are a lot of, of the folks that we see, the heads of the water tribe often are men, right? But that doesn't have to be true of the fire lords, right? Right. Like it's just the first, it's a Zalonic succession. It isn't true in the Earth Kingdom, uh, especially not by the time we get to Korra. <laughs> like there's a, you know, she's a queen of the Earth Kingdom and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, air nomads, I think, actually, I don't know about the gender. Are they always men? Well, or, air nomads are they all just bald? had. Air nomads were each temple was ruled, ruled, quote unquote, by gender. So I think it was like north and south were male oh, and then east and west were female. And so they, they made it just equitable kinda, as hell. OK. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was equitable as hell. Everybody gets there. Everybody gets what they have. Yeah. Well, OK. So so moving from that tangent a little bit. But um, <laughs> the other things I think about, too, is like, is there anything in this world that's unaffected by or immune to magic? Right. Is there something that like your magic cannot affect, cannot touch? Are there certain people who are unaffected by that? Are magic users like are they unaffected by certain aspects of other people's magic? So it's always interesting because it gets us into, you know, potential conflict and contradictions. We see a lot of this kind of stuff, too, um, which with what you were talking about, is it giving? Can it be taken away? I think that connects a lot to unaffected or immune right because then yeah maybe are is there like an oppressive force in this world that like is muting the powers of people right um can they stop the magic from actually hurting them or coming to them in some kind of way i think that's always interesting 
Um, and I think, you know, like the the earlier thing that I said, too, that connected with the schools of magic, do we need to speak to use magic, right? You know, can we do hand signs or write arcane words? Like, you know, magic system, magic and magic systems are always kind of about communication, it seems, right? But communication doesn't always have to be a spell that you say or do. So, yeah, those yeah. are the kind of ones that I think about a lot. Yeah. And when you when you say like arcane words, the first thought that popped into my head was actually mortal instruments where... They have like the these, these the, <laughs> they have runes. And I feel like that's also a limitation of the magic too, because if you don't know the runes, you can't do the magic, right? Just because yeah. you have the capability doesn't necessarily mean that it can be used. Even using like the mm. parabatai type of thing, you kind of have to have a connection to that person and be able to create the rune and give it the effect that it needs. Otherwise, you know, that should be flaky as hell. And I feel like that is always interesting where the limitation isn't necessarily the physical capability to do it, but some type of intrinsic something or other that triggers it. And I think that's something we have to take into account. Is that magic intrinsic to the user or is it something that can yeah. be taught and harnessed, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Avatar Last Airbender, I feel like it's more intrinsic. You're, you're born yeah. a bender. And from there yeah. you learn to be until you learn to harness that skill. But right. I think something that's interesting in, you know, some of the vampire series, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times these people are bitten that's true. and then become a magical yeah. creature and then have to learn how to leverage their gifts. I think also too, I mean, what we think about when we, um, the magician series too, right? Apparently what we find out is that anybody can do magic. Like, like your magic is not actually intrinsic to just one singular person or group. It's intrinsic to everybody. Uh, but it's just a matter of like, how far does it come out? You know, how much magic do people have? How do we harness that thing? Right. Yeah. So I guess in the vein of magical creatures, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, we've already kind of brought up um, some of the magic wielders, which come from the magicians, but with magical creatures, there's Lord of the Rings. We brought up Aragon, which is more of a dragon based. Okay. I'm a dragon heart girly too. So I, I love good knights and dragon story. All right. The Witcher. Right. Okay. I live for those things. <laughs> yeah. um, well, the Witcher, he is technically a magical creature, right? Yeah. Technically. Yeah. But <laughs> he, he, and he's created. This wasn't, the Witcher magic isn't intrinsic exactly. to the Witchers. They are created through a very painful process people okay but <laughs> they you know get this this animalistic side to them this magic that allows them to kill other creatures in a sense they become yeah. the creatures creature hunters right that are created with certain skills and i think that that's interesting too like where do we draw the line between a magical creature and a magic wielder right like does that mm. technically make you a magic creature is a wizard a magical creature? Well, or... because like, okay, with the line, the witch in the wardrobe, right? You have Aslan, the big line, you know, this whole allegory for like Christianity and God and all that kind of stuff. But you got Aslan, big line, he's magical. He's a big old line, he can speak, right? But the witch, like the the one that Tilda Swinton plays, I forget, White Witch or whatever. Yeah. Is she a magic wielder or is she a magical creature? Because See... she seems just as... A person, maybe not human, but person as everybody else, she exists in this world. We don't really know others that much like her, but it doesn't seem as if that was always intrinsic to her. I don't know. I don't I don't right. I didn't read 
like in all eight of however many of these books are. So I don't um, know like the full lore. But. I I did. I did. And you know what? I am having a hard time thinking of others that were like mm. the White Witch in that way. Um, the Magician and uh, Prince Caspian and the Horse and His Boy. All of those are really surrounding more along the lines of taught magic, at least how it's explained. Now, yeah. you guys, I haven't read these books in a couple of years, but look, I will reread them to come back with facts. But from what I remember, <laughs> there wasn't really another entity that was exactly like the White Witch. And I think one thing that we can say as far as the delineation between a magical creature versus a magic wielder at least for mm -hmm. me, would be personhood as well as humanoid form. Because Aslan, we would definitely mm -hmm. call him a magical creature, right? The unicorn, yes, we're yes. calling a magical creature. The horse, in the horse and his boy, like, talks, yeah. but we wouldn't Even call that... Even though they have sentience, we would still call them a magical creature, right? Yeah. Right. And I think the witch, though she isn't like anyone else that we encounter in the series, I would want to put her as a magic wielder because of her humanoid form and personhood. Now, mm -hmm. if she was more well, like a mm -hmm. Gorgon or something like that, where you didn't hear much speech and it was all slithers, then I might lean creaturey. Okay. <laughs> Look. Well, okay. Well, here, here's a complication. Um, so, are witches magical creatures, or rather, when are witches magical creatures? Right. I think about I, that yeah. because it's like. Witches, they're born often, often mm -hmm. are born witches often. in a lot yeah. of these things. They they are in a category, you know, you see witches based up with vampires and, and werewolves. All of those are magical creatures. And the discovery of witches, they all call them, they call each of everybody creatures. So like the witches are creatures, the vampires and all that kind of stuff. But what about those stories where witches, um, there are other stories where people find out about latent powers or they, you know, like in, um, like we said, the magicians or whatever, they find that they can do this now. I I think which is a weird category in that because of what you're talking yeah. about, that notion of personhood, but that kind of personhood keeps, it's like how animal or how away from regular how far human removed. Can, <laughs> yeah. Because I think of I, the Fae and the Fae are apparently supposed to be too pretty for our own damn good and kind of scary so they feel alien you know okay 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 but i think you had something there when we were talking about the magicians where anybody could learn magic and therefore be a magician so then it's knowledge based right not necessarily it's skill based not necessarily what you were born and i think mm -hmm. that lends into that definition and i guess for now uh, a witch can be a creature if they are born a witch and are intrinsically magical in their own right in this world. Like that's what separates them because mm -hmm. to a certain degree that removes them from humanity in a way that remove removes them from being human. Yeah. But especially if they happen to have a society where they understand themselves to be witches and not human. Yeah. Right. Um, like the the son of the the, the bastard son of the devil himself, the white yep, witches, the yep. black witches, they are very much distinct mm -hmm. from humanity. Yeah. Um, the witches I in the think, originals too. Yeah, very distinct, very distinct from the from very removed from humanity in that way, and human society and those impacts in some cases. Um, and I think that I think is what I'm gonna lean on. A magic wielder is a human that wields magic. Like they eventually learn to wield right. that. Wow, a magical that, creature um, is born. Yeah.
And I think within that, like when we think about the wielders too, they're more of a wielder if they can learn and like wield more than one type of magic. Like we often see that. Like when we think of the Fae, they don't often have multiple types of magic that's not Fae magic, right? But sometimes characters that are learners, you know, knowledge-based, they got the spell books, they can figure out a bunch of that stuff in some ways. I I think of like... um, the the book um and it was a limited series netflix show it's also it's very great you should watch it um but jonathan strange and mr norrell um and a lot of that is wielding magic right it's taking in knowledge learning more and more about this they interact with other magical creatures and and you know those kind of like spirits and entities or whatever but they are about learning that right so that's like an open magic wielder but then i think of like okay the clothes kind of magic wielders right where you can do like one specific thing and often it's very, very difficult. Like I think about the Charlie Bone series a lot where they have a whole lineage of different how this magic happens, but they get one skill usually. And it's like, <laughs> okay, you can do this. I mean, there are other skills. Like some people are more generally classified as like witches, but yeah. it's, but they can like do a specific thing towards that. Like the light witch can make sure people are protected or knows when is a little clairvoyant because they know when they need to be there, like guardian angel type shit. Other people can like be witch. They can use their witchery for specific things like clothing, right? Or for that kind of stuff. And I think another series like that that I read was the Osseus Chronicles, where you have the bone witch that can tell your future, your past, who you'll fall in love with, all that kind of thing through the bones like that homegirl throw the bones down and read them and tell you you know this is what this person wanted to say to you or this is mm-hmm. what da 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 this is what happened right and it yeah. again that brings in the focusing tool where she's using these bones to focus the bones also acted as a way to identify that person because how it worked in the series with that lineage that you were talking about in this series they don't know who the next bone witch in the family would be, who the bone witch of that generation will be. The bones chooses that person to the point where at the very beginning of the series, homegirl come home from her job and she looks on the coffee table and she like, God damn it. <laughs> the bones is here, y'all. She literally calls her mom to say like the, bones the bones is here. Uncalled. <laughs> yes. And she's just like, I don't understand why are the bones here. And this takes her, (laughs) right, why me? She never expected to get this. And so she has to, you know, go to the family shop because everybody expects this this responsibility of being the bone witch. But in addition to that, there are other families that have certain specialties. She eventually runs into a blood witch, and that's what his family is known for. Except his family tried to breed for the bone witch, right? So they, if you had two boys or two kids, they would try to get the best magic wielder and then kill the other one to force who to force who that generation's blood which would be and that was a totally different take than how the bone witch people did it and of course you mm-hmm. had other types of witches there but it really centers on on them and their lineages and their relationship because it is a fantabulous read y'all because you know it's a whole enemies to lovers thing and the m- more you get to know me the more you'll know that i love those stories okay we'll talk about enemies <laughs> to lovers in our trope episode it's in march for that <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, it's coming out in March. Yeah, y'all see it. Uh, but yeah, so so within that too, I'm also thinking about uh, books like, oh, I love this series. You do too. The Graceling series by Kristen Cashore. Yes. Uh, um, uh, I forget the name of the books. No, it's Graceling, then it's Fire, and then Bitter Blue, and then there's like a fourth mm-hmm. one or whatever. But, but basically in that series, there are people who are graced. 
and they're graced with a very specific skill. That's, that seems magical or whatever, uh, and their eyes kind of change because of it. Uh, but like, it's nothing. They can't learn another skill. Like, if you can set things on fire, you can only set things on fire. That's all that you can <laughs> do. You can use fire. You can't cast spells that aren't that. You can't do anything else, right? Um, so I really like that kind of limitation with it. I also think about a similar thing too with young elites. Is that that's Marie Lou too, right? Mm-hmm, that's Marie Lou. Mm-hmm. And with young elites, you know, they also tend to have specific powers that they can, you know, grow and learn more about within themselves. And we can get into like where some of that contradictory stuff happens in, you know, when power systems aren't as uh, consistent <laughs> as we'd want them to be. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you know, those kind of things too. So that's when I think about you know magic wielders. They often have have that and then you like you said a bit about creatures you know like in in the book uh the black sun rebecca rowan horse series right we think about them Ooh. being embodiments of deities right they're like you know they're gods inside of their bodies so it's a different right. kind of like the crow god the sun god the uh the siren of the seas that we don't know right. what kind of powers she got and mm-hmm. yeah i think who's absolutely a magical creature <laughs> absolutely Absolutely. She turned into, you know, no, we can't say that because I don't, I want y'all to read the book and I can't tell you what she turned into, but fine. Yeah, like I went, I went out of my way to try to avoid that deal, but okay. Um, yeah, Black Sun is a great example of the mixture between a magic wielder and a creature and what that looks like and how you can transcend even in one novel, in one series, what that person is who that person is and i yeah rebecca royal does a great job in that series so i'm gonna need y'all to, yeah. to read that catch up it's a uh, black sun and uh fever star is out currently um mm-hmm. i am waiting on the third book okay uh, we probably have said this twice but i'm gonna say it yeah. again rebecca if you're listening um run, run me my reads girl run, run me, me my, my reads. reads you got us too sucked in and now I, i'm tired of waiting uh, YouTube told me how to me, okay? <laughs> you and our Look, sites tell as me, well. Tell me, tell me at least drop some hints that it's coming out at some point. Right, like, we know right. a third book is on the way. Um, but She I think finished writing it. She did finish writing it. We at least know it exists. It's out here in the ether. Um, I guess some other examples of, like, magical creatures and wilders. American Gods. I mean, it's all in yeah. the title. American Gods. Gods come on. Mm-hmm. And the show. The show was amazing okay Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to talking about black people and black issues all right there is a beautiful beautiful soliloquy monologue on what it means as far as being you know black american and how it relates to our religious beliefs or even just us in general oh yeah the anansi monologue the anansi monologue okay (laughs) so Um, go um, and look for that yeah we might we might find a link (laughs) Right. Well, and I mean, too, because, you know, we said about black God, uh, black, black gods, black sun, embodiments of deities, American gods. Right. So there's something about, too, when deities are in the picture. Yeah. The very much in the magical creature kind of area. Right. Yeah. So then like Percy Jackson, too. Right. Um, and But here here's the here's the thing about Percy Jackson. I'm not sure because is a demigod a magical creature? And I think the answer is yes. I want to lean on yes, because you are weird. born it. You are born as you are. Are you half human? Yes, but notice we said half. Mm-hmm. Half human. You can't learn yes. to be a demigod. You just are. Yeah. And, and I think Big that's the part, half human, because in this world, other creatures also exist, right? So, like, yeah. conceivably, 
there can be, you know, uh, a god can get with a satyr, right? Right. Uh, and have a hybrid kid like that. But they don't really go into that in the books, in, in that, like, cross-species, quote-unquote, kind of thing as much. I mean, isn't but, that yeah. kind of how a minotaur happens, though? Like, wasn't it with a magical cow or some shit? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, that was weird. <laughs> but but you, you know, know that wasn't in Percy <laughs> the, the creation story of that was not in Percy Jackson because Rick Riordan did not want to traumatize children like that. Um, which good on him. Um within that I also think of uh okay, here's here's another one that's more expansive within the magical creature world, Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. There are gods and those kind of entities. There are people who can do magic. I think some of them might be magic wielders, but I think that once you start getting into the thing where you're basically like 200, 300 years old, you're no longer a per- you're you're a magical creature. To me, <laughs> the right? immortality factor. Exactly. Um, exactly. Question: Mother of dragons, wielder or creature? I mean, that's the question for the whole Targaryen uh, family dynasty, right? Are they True. wielders or creatures? And part of it is like you know they're able to commune with the dragons in such a way. Um, but I don't. I haven't read all of those books and the shows don't don't get into this as much, but I don't know what the beginning of that is, right? I don't know okay. how they develop this particular connection to this, you know, to this particular creature, right? So I would say that is a person who is, damn, I was about to say <laughs> that's the magic wielder, but she's not actively wielding anything because it's intrinsic, mm-hmm. so... Mm, hence the question. All right, all right. Let's let's put that in the pocket. We'll we'll come back to that when we think about uh, that. Question trap. <laughs> Truly. Okay, so, so, so we continue t- in the con- go ahead. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say. You know, we touched on the the creature versus wilder. We've hit a little bit of physical intrinsic magic, but one thing we haven't talked as much about is incantatory magic like being able to vocally use spells or cantrips or things like that um one of our one of our favorite shows of course charmed okay like queen phoebe of the spell writers okay (laughs) where you're able to create spells or create magic on the fly and that's always interesting because cadence matters rhyming matters emphasis mm-hmm. matters as far as what you expect to happen at least in the first couple of seasons now you know that shit fall apart after season three but it really falls apart in the- <laughs> they start casting without any of those constraints and stuff and it's it's fun and frustrating it comes back um when Paige is learning but i think they do that yes. to show the experience of the witches so it could be a perspective thing where we don't see them put that much effort into it because they are now experienced uh, experienced enough to know you know let's go ahead and write this in iambic pentameter right like i seriously doubt like shakespeare true. was counting every single syllable when he was like writing writing right shakespeare yeah. whoever wrote them plays because you know they always got doubts on that but anyway um mm-hmm. I think that's something that Charmed had in the beginning that was really interesting where the stress of the spell right there was within the spell casting and that kind of too and you see that in other um, you know in other books and shows like that where they teach you how to say the spell right right like how how do you do that and like also the communication you know a lot of spells are about all spells are about communication but it's like um, you want to be able to communicate the exact intent right so if you give if you say a spell like you don't believe in it well it's not gonna happen right if you put you coming up with some weak shit 
then it's not mm-hmm. gonna happen so that's like and that's what makes the incantation kind of thing right yeah um you know we think about these things with uh you know the bippity boppity boop uh <laughs> what's that little girl cinderella that, uh, is that, yeah cinderella, <laughs> cinderella. Or, what's the one that ate the app mm, yeah that's no white baby with the other fairies snow white she did that. Snow, Who had the fairies? Uh, fairies was Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Snow Beauty. White Thank is you. the one that ate the apple, and Cinderella is the bitch with the godmother. Come on, you got to keep okay, the princess no, no, straight. But but then no, Snow White ate the apple. But oh girl, no, she pricked her finger on a spindle. Yes, that's what Sleeping yes. Beauty was. Sleeping Beauty <laughs> pricked her finger on the spindle. Snow White ate a poison apple from the witch that was actually the queen that was jealous of her. Mm-hmm. Cinderella is the one that had the evil yes. stepmother. She's just in an, a very oppressive, hateful family. Yes. <laughs> People yes. got it. Okay. That's why she needed right. a fairy godmother. There are there are fairies present. It's just a fairy godmother in Cinderella. The fairies that you're thinking of in Sleeping Beauty were the 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 crazy ones that could barely keep the baby alive. If y'all oh, can tell, yes. I'm a I'm a Maleficent fan. Okay, so I am here <laughs> for the the beastie moments. All right. But My, and then oh <laughs> in Snow White we have the witch. But okay, that, right. now that we have that, that together, <laughs> yes, that is clear now. But you know, so so even thinking about right in incantations, but does an incantation always have to be said? Right, I think that because. In my brain, you know, spell spell work is about communication. So there's also a physical aspect sometimes or a component often. Uh, you know, and 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 again, this is a, an example of something that went off the deep end the second, you know, we finished the book. But apparently in Harry Potter, at the beginning of it, it's about how you say the spell and how you wave your wand. Your wand work is supposed to matter. Yeah. So there's a physical component to like the way that you use your arm and your wand to actually get the spell. And apparently there are like actual, it's almost as if they're actually tracing runes in the air or something like that, which is really interesting if they ever would have gotten into it. But of course they didn't. Right. I also think about the movies. I feel like depict. Yeah. The movies, I think, depict that very well with the the Leviosa spell. I think so, that's the first movie, and that's what I mean. They stop yeah, after that, right? They do. Well, I so, think yeah. it shows up in the second movie a little bit too. But to your mm-hmm. point, the it's heavy on that in the first movie because yeah. we see Ron struggle with that shit left and right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, within that di- similar magic school vibe, different, very different aspect the magicians right we talked about them a little bit they have this thing called tutting and what that is for them is it's a physical kind of communication thing with their hands so their spell work um they have like innate powers that they can kind of just do but when they want to do spell work they have to use specific like hand movements it looks like a very interesting weird magical sign language kind of thing and they call it tutting because you have to use both hands yeah Hey, baby, it was giving doing a jutsu in Naruto. I ain't gonna lie. Oh, you, I'm not you're even right. Lie you're with right. You. <laughs> it was actually. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie with you. I, I thought I thought we was finna get nine tail fox at some point in that damn show. Okay, because <laughs> the way that the speed at which they would move those hands, y'all cannot see this right now, but I'm furiously like, you know. <laughs> the, and if you the, ever saw Naruto and you watched it, you know exactly what I'm doing because you're doing it too right now. <laughs> Man, if y'all didn't get that flash from when they were fighting Haku in in the land of the mist, that's what I need y'all to be thinking of right now. Very beginning of Naruto, where they really emphasize them hand movements. Okay, <laughs> I need y'all to envision that, and they that's were, exactly what Teddy was. Okay, hand performance <laughs> down for real. <laughs> 
Oh, God. But so, so, okay, then with that, we have like this kind of physical component with the incantation, right? But then, you know, we're thinking about how people do magic in this area, in this like section that we're talking about right now too. So like you got cooking, you got mixing, you got this notion of like enchanting, right? So, you know, in, in our world, people with folk magic practices, you know, black folks have like root work or hoodoo, right? We think of like potions and concoctions. Um, We see potion work in a lot of these different spaces too, but oh, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Uh, charmed, of course, first on that mm-hmm. list yep. because we got to talk about Hyper our the baby Piper, charm mixer. right? L- the baddest bitch. <laughs> Homegirl was living a fun dude thus far, right? So Piper had the hand motions, okay, because we had to freeze and blow people up with the same damn power, okay. But oh, yeah? that kind of sure. leans more into the intrinsic way where freezing and speeding up things to blow it up was how she felt even though it was the same yeah. hand motion the feelings really yeah. drove she what just, power she just showed put up it into her hands yeah right the intention right and then when because, it came because to when potions, she, was upset, she just like it just happened right it just happened um and then when it came to potions it was very specific to what you wanted it to do potions also had intention which i think is why she was really great at using her powers eventually is because yeah. You had to have intention with what you were making that potion for, whether that was to vanquish a demon while you were making or, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, whether that was to vanquish a demon, whether that was to, you know, it's a love potion or a truth telling potion, like whatever it was, there was a certain intention with it. Um, mm-hmm. Another one that we've recently gotten into is this poison heart. Okay. Mm-hmm. This poison heart, we get a little mix of, a, of, of intrinsic magic because it's very, very in, uh, uh, for that particular line of people, right? So, Briseis is line of magic. If you didn't ask Bayron. me what her name was, Bayron. There we go. There it is. So, Caitlin Bayron, we'll, we'll have it linked in the show notes. But this poison heart, our good sis Briseis has magical plant powers, okay? But she is one of the standout things is that she's immune to poisons right but within that she is very good with plants all right and by very good we mean identifying them using them to heal people using them for poisons using them for a variety of different reasons and a variety of different uses and i feel like that's very interesting because her family she later finds out that her family is a uh owns an apothecary in this town and all this other stuff so check out the books. This Poison Hearts, great book, great series. Yeah, great book. Um, I think that that third book is coming out as well. So we're looking at Kaylin side eyeing as well. But it's a great a great view of using potions, but also having magical powers too. Yeah. Um, we think of it uh, like, and also with that, like in a very general way, like if people seen Encanto, right? Maribel's oh, mom, Encanto. her power is is she can heal people with that food oh yeah right oh, yeah. and it's, it's the food it's whatever she imbues of that that care put it in the food they're all better you know baby them empanadas was healing healing empanadas okay um right and but an interesting with... thing about that too is that like and i don't know if you know this is at the end this is again slight tangent we'll come back but like she the the magic works in there after she's done continuously so even when they lost their magic for a little bit that food that was still helping them heal because they didn't like the magic didn't go away she imbued it and it stuck inside of that anyway very interesting which i think leads us into item based right does that make her food actually an item based magic because once she imbues (laughs) that once she imbues it it's there it Mm -hmm. is magical in itself well it's item based for other people who have to use it i suppose yeah I mean, technically, if she had to use it, 
it's still item based. The item itself is what holds the power. Uh, no, well, okay. I I like I like the, how on, we were going on. there. I will I will disagree and say I think it's more towards cooking and mixing because potions are technically item based too, but we wouldn't call a potion like a magical item. I think a magical item is something that's also reused, right? So, you know, we think about lock and key, the keys, right? Yeah. Uh, we think about the talismans and Jackie Chan, right? Magic swords, the whole um what's that white boy sword name? Baby Excalibur. Thank you, baby. King King Arthur. <laughs> that white boy. Lord, Sorry, that, that Welshman. White boy. Um, Welshman. <laughs> you know, items that imbue powers. You also have like magic books, right? You know, those kind of things that people get. Okay. In some okay. cases, like wands too, right? Okay, so you're giving me grimoires. Okay, so does that make a grimoire a magical item? I I think so. So the Book of Shadows would count. Item, it's item based magic. Yes. And I think the other thing that made me think was Thor's hammer, right? Like it can't be used by yes. everyone, just people worthy to carry the powers exactly. of Thor yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and Jackie Chan Adventures, y'all, that is a throwback. Okay. But I do think of the talismans. Um, I don't know how many of y'all watched The Legend of the Dragon where they had the manacles and stuff like that. And it was basically like based in Kung Fu and there were these twin dragons oh, and one got to be the shadow dragon and the other one was a golden dragon. Y'all... I ain't watched that, but it sounds good. <laughs> baby, somebody had better watch this show. It used to come on JetX. Don't play me like this is a part of another dimension. I'm going to find it. I'm going to put it in the show notes, okay? It was a great <laughs> show that was really item-based. You had the addition of Kung Fu, right? So it was based on like, similar to Jackie Chan Adventures, it was kind of based off the, the Chinese Zodiac right oh interesting each, okay is it an animated show yes what was this called i believe it was called the legend of the dragon and it was this sounds familiar you probably watched it was also it. it was also around this time though that we had a lot of uh and in a very good way but like asian like animated Based, media had a yeah. huge push around at the same time you know Shaolin Yo, jake Shogun, long <laughs> Chan, the american dragon jake long's of it all um yeah and now this Legend of the Dragon thing, which is just interesting. Um, you know, and I mean, like, the those particular animated shows that push the culture and the, you know, the yeah. power and stuff within that, too. Okay, yeah, all right. Uh, well, then I think about, okay, so we have item-based, right? But then item-focused. So we talked a little bit about that with the with the wands, the tomes, and the books. So I guess magic books, are they a... Sometimes I think they are a magical item, because in some cases, some of the books have a sentience, and the book helps, yeah. right, in some books. But I've I've read in other and seen in other kind of things where like the book is you have to have magic to be able to use the book in the first place, you know. Yeah, and I, I'm a, I'm gonna lean back into an anime whether or not you've seen it or not. But Zatch Bell, Zatch Bell, I think it becomes mm -hmm. book focused because in that show, the book itself is what's driving the puppets to be able to fight. It's what your ability to do spells and how advanced you are is in you know the books like how far you can go with that um book of shadows i feel like it's just item based like they leverage it and the book has some level of how to help them but they themselves have to actually do the spells where yeah. item focused things i think are limited to certain users right it's mm -hmm. um the book itself is somewhat or the item itself is magical even without that yep. other person attaching themselves to it. So, and I, I guess that, or there are certain people. So item focus, I think is certain people can use that item for magical purposes while right. item based is 
anybody could pick this item up and use it. Exactly. As we saw in, in Lock and Key and Jackie, Jackie Chan. Chan. Yeah. yeah. Anyone mm-hmm. could pick this up and leverage it. So I almost want to say, is a magical sword like sword like Excalibur item focused? Because not just anyone could pull it. Or well then oh, again, I was about to say, after yeah. it was pulled wow. after it was pulled though, anybody could use it though. So it that's a great area. Oh, so okay, okay. So it's not like Thor's hammer. Okay, I couldn't remember. Mm-mm. It was yeah. Okay. At least to well, my okay, understanding, to my yeah. understanding of the All lore, right. once it was pulled, that person was king, but that didn't stop them from using the sword. Um, yeah. There are some series like Gargoyles that really imbue Excalibur with more magic. So I feel like that will mm-hmm. be left to the series whether or not it's item focused or item based. Yeah, where yeah. you know okay. sometimes that shit is like Thor's hammer; it only works for right. for for author. And other times, once it's pulled, it's basically a strong ass sword. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. I think another cool thing about item focus stuff too is that you know, of course, we mention Harry Potter all the time just because it's easy access and stuff. Regardless of how we feel about J.K. Rowling, which you know, uh... oh. Wait, no, this podcast is rated uh, R. <laughs> Fuck her. <laughs> Fuck her. <laughs> I don't like doing it here. <laughs> Fuck her. It's trash ass. Anyway, but, no. you know, like, you know, they have wands, right? Again, uh, in Carry On, the Rainbow Rowell series, uh, they have, uh, quote unquote, wands, but their wands don't always have to be wands. They can be in, they can be a piece of jewelry that's important to them, something that's been handed down. So their wand is whatever... And that object is for them and it doesn't work for other people of course right um and it's just a way the best way for them to focus their magic um so you know those kind of like focus things where other people can't really use use it in that way which is interesting Hmm. yeah um and i guess you know after covering item based and item focused and we've touched on like potions and all that type of stuff what are your thoughts on elemental magic? Because sometimes elemental magic can encompass all of that, right? Like you sometimes got to use spells or say words to do things like we see in which sometimes, right? So yeah. in which they do kind of have to call forth their magic a little bit. And then That's as true. they get more experienced, then they have to say certain things less and less. But to activate the power, we have to say something out loud. Which is an acronym for these young ladies' names in this animated series from like the early 2000s. If you uh, know the song, we are, we <laughs> are, we are, which you're one of us. Thank you for, for joining. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Like, I think about that, too, because so Winx Club, too, right? They are yeah. elemental, too, but they can do other things within that. It's not specific. Like, I think Avatar The Last Airbender is like the best version of elemental magic my magic is specific to this element this is what i'm using and this is how it works right there are other um books i've read like uh witch song by amber argyle i pulled that name right out of my head um (laughs) i haven't read those books in a while (laughs) but you know they're they're elemental witches but it's called witch song because they're based in song right so they're fire ones they're earth ones they're um you know air and, and those kind of things um, so, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting. I think that like elemental magic can, and people allow it to go into a bunch of different ways and all that kind of stuff, because it's, I, I get it that it's interesting, but I think that the most, uh, for me, and, and I know you feel similar, similar to this too. I always like when we can do a lot more with a lot less less like mm-hmm. you know give me some restrictions and let's see what we can do which is why we have things like 
new bending being able to be created and it'd be interesting in like Avatar The Last Airbender. No shades to those other kind of books because I really like Witch Song. I really loved Witch and The Wings Club and all that other kind of stuff. Um, but it's just interesting to kind of like see what limitations of things do. Um, and and- uh, even thinking about that, I wonder how that moves us into, what were you about to say? Oh, uh, just that I feel like to a certain extent, Winks, um, which those books, which song even those books, I feel like are gateways. Right. And we discuss this a little bit in our YA, you know, young adult versus new adult thing where simple elemental magical systems, I feel like make sense to kids. And when you don't add too many new details here and there, it makes the story simpler and we can really focus on the character development. While I feel like the nuances that we want to see, um, I'm currently in the middle of Mistborn by uh, Brandon Sanderson, and we have a little bit more complication in the magic system, right? And I feel like that lends to elemental magic too, where the more we learn about, you know, science and things like that, the more we can be more specific with the magic system, right? The more creative we can yeah. be. Cause even the transition from Avatar The Last Airbender with the Aang gang to Korra, we have a better understanding of how lightning is related to fire. We have a better understanding yes. of yeah. how dangerous an airbender can be by sucking the fucking oxygen out of a room. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. a better concept of uh, how lava is related to earth bending and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. and how, how we get metal bending from earth bending like it's a lot more complex because you have an older audience that understands the relationships between those elements and i think that lends to other systems Mm -hmm. and i think that like the mm, we no i'm gonna save that for our episode (laughs) where we actually talk specifically about things like avatar the last airbender but to what you were saying really quickly there's something that's really interesting about um, as we get older, and uh, we're able to understand the complexities within that, right? Like, yeah, I, we were the age the show was for when the show came out, you know, twenty years ago. Because uh, I think it's like twenty, almost twenty years at this point. But mm-hmm. uh, right, <laughs> am I right? It's like uh, two thousand five or something like that. Yeah, um, it, but, I think it ended in two thousand five or two thousand seven. So close yeah, to twenty something. years. Yeah. So it's like, you, you know, we were the age for the show, but even like thinking about oh, I guess healing is not a far leap from water, right? It's not that far of a leap, especially because of how the culture behind, you know, the water tribes and how they were, you know, using the the healing energy of the moon and the way they talked about, you know, the energies within our bodies, which makes sense that blood bending is also a thing um, and that kind of energy manipulation and stuff too. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think we don't got all the way down this tangent, but I think our association with water being healing, like hot springs, the fountain of youth, the the healing waters, cooling waters, all of that, baptisms, washing purity, all of that is really yeah, wrapped yeah. up into how we see water as such a balanced, calming element. But I think the interesting thing with blood bending is that with all of the good that water can do, it can also be a detriment like you know blood bending being able to control a person's body against their will because you have control of this vital thing but we'll get into details on that in our in our in our b-side probably a little bit more but Mm -hmm. i guess some things that you've probably heard us kind of lean into even in this discussion so far is 
the limitations and the possibilities within these worlds, whether that was looking at their abilities or looking at the the world itself or looking at the people, right? Like what can the people do? How can they use this magic? That sort of thing to, to kind of help split these up. How I think of it is, you know, there are hard magic systems, things that are very much defined. And then there are soft magic systems where we just kind of have general guidelines, right? Like we have an, an idea of how this magic works, but we don't really use our our concept of that magic to try to solve problems or try to guess what the character is going to do because we just don't have enough idea of what that, that system is like. Um, right. And, and, I, and just yeah. just for the listeners, too, um, the kind of terminology of hard and soft magic comes from Brandon Sanderson. It comes from him like and, and then over the years, you know, people contributing more to the conversation of oh, what actually looks like hard magic versus soft. Right. What those things are, because he talks about that's how he creates the worlds in his books. Right. And, you know, you're halfway through Mistborn. So you see, I guess, how that's playing out a lot too i've not read the brandon sanderson stuff uh just yet i'm gonna put it on my audio book at some baby point. i just <laughs> i, get I just got it to be read i just just got it off the shelf i have a whole look because you know brandon sanderson is a is a whole journey prolific. and it's prolific so i started with the miss born series but to your point yeah like that idea of hard versus soft i think really helps us delineate what we like and what I don't like. Okay. I'll be honest from the top. Y'all I'm a hard magic system girl. I like knowing the ins and outs of the system. I like knowing how this system has formed the, the culture, the ideology, the people, the why, the how soft magic for me is just that it is so malleable. (laughs) It is so, it is so nondescript. (laughs) It is soft. It is just that. It is so malleable. So nondescript. She's not. She's not giving soft magic for me. For me. It just leaves open the characters to suddenly come up with something magical to solve their problems at any given moment. Like, let's say uh, Billy Bob is trying to figure out how to cross the street. And in a soft magic system, they can just stop the world and cross the street. And we don't have to have a reason as to why the world stopped. We don't have to understand, did they stop it in a full radius? Because if you stop traffic just right here, that means another motherfucker had an accident two two damn two streets back. And we have to factor that into it. While in most cases in South Magical Worlds, baby, they just do shit and we don't hear any consequences of it. So it's like, okay, so does that mean we just stopped the world? Okay, we did a Maxwell. We we just stopped the world. That's what we did. Come on now. I just uh, that's where I'm at. So no, you no, already I mean, know what's out okay, of Yeah, I feel it. <laughs> I feel it. And of course, I'm with you. Like, I prefer hard magic systems. Like, again, Avatar The Last Airbender is a hard magic system, a perfect example of what that looks like, where we love everything about it. We get into the lore and the deep history of everything, right? But I think that um, soft magic systems are super interesting because they're like, a lot of them, they have a lot of wonderment, you know? Like, we're just Mm. like seeing how far we can go with things. And of course, what I think is actually true, a lot of our favorite characters, magical characters, might actually be from soft magic systems, right? Because one of my favorite quote unquote magical characters, but powered characters is, you know, the goat, Aurora Monroe, Storm, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Former queen of Wakanda, current look, reigning goddess of a new look, planet or whatever. So, look, you know, and X Men is that kind of thing. 
Yeah, X-Men does fall more into soft magic a little bit. But I think even within that, there are limitations. And I guess that leads us back to the whole restriction concept. Like, what yeah. can that character not do? And as much as Storm is the GOAT, okay? As much as Storm is the Omega of the Omega level, level mutants, okay? She can't read minds. <laughs> like, fundamentally, yeah, yeah. fundamentally, there are things she cannot do. And what makes her great is that her power set in her area is so large. Not that she mm. can do anything and everything. Because let me tell you something. That is my beef with the Phoenix. Okay? Miss Jean Grey, <laughs> baby, ain't no way in fuck this bitch should be able to walk through walls, disappear, and fly. Jean Grey neck. <laughs> Look, Jean Grey should not be able to do everything she can do as the Phoenix. We can walk through walls, disappear, fly, read a bitch mind, burn them up from mm -hmm. afar, teleport. Much more unique than the other guy. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. My beef mm -hmm. is with Jean Grey, okay? That character to me is a little too OP for the world that we're in. Because even Wanda, Wanda... Yeah. We love us. We love us some Wanda. But Wanda is a reality bender. We understand that she yes. bends realities. And, and yeah, and we understand how her powers work. So, okay, okay. I hear what you're talking about, too. And I think this leads into this larger kind of thing that we are, we've been moving around in the discussion. I like there, you know, there's no issues, particularly with hard or soft magic systems, right? We like them generally like like we do love these yeah. systems we I especially will the love book. them when they're done well well and i think that's the thing because when a hard magic system is not done well they're just relying on a world that's like about to fall like a, a house of cards right when a soft magic system is not done well they're just doing anything out here they can walk through wall disappear fly read people's minds all this other kind of stuff and it's yeah. like there's no interest in that there's no challenge in it right yeah so kinda, it, it, and you know x-man is done well as a soft magic system so it's like oh that's why we kind of like these things that's why we kind of are flocking to some soft magic particulars yeah um, but yeah. yeah yeah i think that comes back to um what's the cost Right. When we think of what makes a magic system good, whether it's hard or soft, I think it's those those restrictions and stuff that we were looking for. Like, OK, so who can use these powers? Is it just mutants? Yes. OK, cool. That means there are human people impacted or bang babies. If we talking about static shock, that means there are oh, none. Yeah. There are none. Super there are none. <laughs> So you, got means, <laughs> you weren't ready for that um but when we have bang babies that means that there are human stakes involved in this and not just mutant versus mutant when yeah. we talk about what's the cost right i know i just got through dogging out jean gray and all of that but her split personality is her cost she can't have no life yeah. and she kind of sort of has a, a limit when she get fucking burnt out right there there's a certain part mm -hmm. Well, she get, she reaches a certain limit. Homegirl is dropping like a fucking rock from the sky. Um, yep. Yep. When it comes the to... The CL, CL Polk. Yeah. Those books. Um, the Oh, God. What is that? that it's called? a Witchmark um, yeah, Storm yeah. Song. Witchmark yeah. Stormbreaker. Uh, Stormbreaker. Those, those things. We, we, see, we see in the first book because it's about the cost that magic has and drains you, right? Like magic i think in that book takes as a, a life part force of your, like life force yeah. right so i think so you know it's well that's what we think about when we're thinking about the cost like what happens to you as a result of using these powers in x-man you know it's not necessarily that their powers drain them to that effect um like you know they can still use their powers if they're on the deathbed often it, it's about how you know aware and awake they are but their world is the thing that is the cost right like 
that world is set up to where if you are a mutant by nature of you having these powers or having these different phenotypic kind of things, you are hated and hunted. Right. So there is a cost in using that and letting people know that that's the thing. Even in Lord of the Rings, the corruption that comes as a result of that damn ring. Like we see yeah. Smeagol. That's what happens when you go to like, you can My end precious. up like that. Yeah. I, I, I think that is definitely a part of the the what makes this world great is not just. Yes, there are possibilities. However, these possibilities are wrapped up in the consequences, whether that's limited to who can use those powers, what the cost is, and even limited to what lineage you're in. We touched on that a little bit with the Charlie Bone series and Osseus Chronicles, but you know, sometimes you're a devoted follower of a particular God can limit your power set, right? Can limit what you're able to do. If you're uh-huh. a student at a magical university, maybe whatever sector you're in limits you. Um, an idea that I think of for that is a uh, wheel of time. You got to choose. Yep. Are you blue? Are you gold? Are you yellow? You read yeah, though, you and Aja, if you read, who, like which area right. are you? Yeah, into? And, it, yeah. and if you read, then that means, bitch, you basically a celibate, angry lesbian. Like, <laughs> you ain't, you ain't really <laughs> look. Yeah. You looked at men and said, "No," is what happened if you chose. Well, red. I don't think they they're not celibate. <laughs> they just I mean, you know angry lesbians. Angry lesbians. I had to amend that. You saw, I had to, I had to segue into. No, they looked at men and said uh-huh. no. But exactly, um, yeah. And if you're blue, then you have to live your life as a spy, baby. <laughs> you don't trust nobody. Nobody trusts you. All right. And they don't. Absolutely. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like that is uh, also a part of the world that kind of limits. Oh, well, you know, they don't know the same magic that green. know. they don't know the same secrets that gold. No, they don't have the same skill set that red does. And it makes right. you live in a certain way right that lends to your culture that lends to what you go to this person for this group for Mm -hmm. um oh we have uh people that sell their souls okay oh yeah yeah. oh we hey i know i i I see the way my brain went from devote uh uh, devoted follower of god to selling your soul to the devil (laughs) um right those groups it's also interesting where depending on who you sold your soul to, your magic, right. your gifts are limited. Are you did you did you Specific sell it to, to whatever that demon yeah. is or yeah. And even the rules of engagement, the contract. I mean, we see a little bit of that mm-hmm. in um Bloodmarked, actually, mm-hmm. where we find out that the gift that she has is actually a contract made with a demon with her great great grandma Vera or whatever the fuck. Oh wow. And oh yeah. So yeah. I'm sorry for that little little spoiler there, but it, <laughs> it the book been out long. Time. We'll put it in the show notes. You'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I also think about you know these other type of like magic users. We got the aliens too, right? Extra dimensional like yeah. species, and then they can. The, we talked a little bit about the ability to bestow power. Sometimes that happens. Um. Oh, animorphs. Right. Oh my God. That's animorphs. The aliens came down. <laughs> the Jeez. aliens came down, and they somehow gave some of these people, um, like some powers and some things with that, like uh, to be able to do that. And it's a part of the alien kind of like genetic technology, or whatever. But again, like they decided who was worthy, who was with that. Sometimes you know, you have books or whatnot where people touch a stone. It like unlocks some things within that. Uh, oh, oh, we too. power and it's not rangers now. 
we, we we Power Rangers now. <laughs> go go Power Rangers. Yeah, and I think the other thing when it comes to bestowing powers, that's also Legend of the Dragons, where the, each generation gets like this band or whatever. But um, oh, victims of mad science experiments, baby, that is Marvel all day. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. something like Beast Boy. I'm a look. I love Garfield. Okay, oh, yeah. I love Changeling. Garfield, um, oh, we love it. And actually, you know what? I love Wally too, but Wally was technically a result of his own experiments. So okay, he was like a clone, right? No, that was um Roy Roy Hopper in Arsenal, like oh, the whole Cadmus okay. thing. Yeah. But yeah. um, Wally West was recreating Barry's experiments, and that's how he became Kid oh, Flash. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you also like to what you said earlier. There's the static shock, the bang babies, right? Like yeah. it's it, we think about victims of a mad scientist experiments. Like what happened? Did they fuck up the world? And now we have like radiation leaking out. So like the mm-hmm. people who get powers based on whatever that energy is. Um, a similar thing happened. Um, what, what is it? The actual beginning of the Kamala. Um, Kamala uh, is Khan. It the Kamala Khan. The Kamala Khan story, the like actual comic beginning is something to that effect too. Mm, where like you know they get, I don't, I don't remember either. But you know basically like something happens to them and now they have these powers within that way, right? Yeah. Um, a little bit too. We're thinking about um, like a descendant of like you know a last known magical user. So like this person is descended from the great great Merlin, right? And they just okay. happen to, to touch seven something son that belongs to son. Merlin. No, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think another thing when I think mad science is um, those type of experiment experiments. Actually, let's hit a super soldier real quick, okay? Um, oh, absolutely. Captain America. Yeah, come on, like Captain America volunteered, but Bucky did not. Okay, and neither did Black Widow. Okay, like okay, I know neither did the in, original Black Captain America. So yeah, that none of them volunteered necessarily. Well. Steve volunteered. However, we did. He didn't know truly what their process was. the The first black super soldier, um, Isaiah Bradley, I believe is his name. He didn't volunteer for this shit. They just used him as cannon fodder and then threw him in prison. Um, but that leads to his grandson, who I think later becomes a patriot or something like that. Yeah, I think his so. grandson having having the powers, right? Even though he himself didn't get injected with the serum, it becomes a part of their DNA yep. and it becomes pass- passable, right? Yep. Um, who else has um, the sentence of a last known magic user? It's it's a lot. And I think even mutants can, can be considered this because um, it's pretty much canon that Mystique is uh, Nightcrawler's mama. So it's yeah. almost yeah. like a given that if you're a mutant you're gonna give birth to mutant kids or wanda and true well but yeah wanda and magneto like yeah yeah well i I mean i think about that too but then i think about okay well is that the same as like the being born with the genetic kind of thing right because that's what mutants are mutants like their genetic code is is inherently different so yeah but of course mutants will always give birth to mutant kids right yeah but i think what makes it a little bit more of a magic key thing and we will fight on this forever but what makes it more of a magic key thing for me is that they don't have the same power set it's not like I'm an electric You're user right, and don't. I give birth yeah. to an electric user. It's not like um, not um always, Black Lightning. Least, yeah. yeah, it's not like Black Lightning, right? Where 
old boy Jefferson has lightning powers and then his daughters have lightning and sun and, and thunder powers, right? It's like yeah, similar like vein, yeah. right? They have a similar vein yeah. power. While in yeah, it, while most X-Men, times it doesn't, yeah. X-Men, the shit well, is well, unrelated. <laughs> X-Men, uh, Magneto's other daughter, Polaris, she's able to use magnetism in this in similar ways that he is too. But again, yeah, but that's like that... he has. But his other children, you know, Quicksilver and Wanda, no rhyme or Nothing. reason as to how they got those powers. Well, there's a rhyme or reason, and basically, like, he made this weird pact with like some intercosmic deity or whatnot. But yeah, but there Still, are other children like... too. There are other children that don't have their parents' powers directly. And you know, we fantasize we fantasize about that as fans, but the reality is that a lot of times these kids don't have the same powers as their parents. Sometimes yeah, they very, may have it a is touch. Very few and far in between. Yeah. Yeah, they may have a touch of that power, but rarely do they have like you know, if Static Shock had a child with somebody, this baby gonna right. be Baby Shock. Like that's not what it I means. mean. In, in X Men, I can only think about like I said, Magneto Polaris, um, Wanda with um, uh, what's that boy's name? I like him. Her son, he's the queer one. Oh, uh, uh, Billy. What's user. his real name? Billy. Um, but what's his? Well, his super name. His uh, real name. <laughs> Wiccan. Wiccan. Wiccan, there we go. It's like it started with a W. Yeah, Wiccan, and then like, and then her other son, he has the same powers that her brother had, and and then like what hulking, I guess Hulk's kid, but that but that's different too because there's something genetic that happened in there with Hulk. So, and even then, Hulk-like, I think mm. even then it's it becomes a question because um his his kid is with a fucking beast of a woman okay this woman went toe to toe with fucking apocalypse and shit like i feel like that one is it's even more so okay the skin color was more genetic but everything else is it Mm -hmm. mutant like is it really mutant at that point and it's just it's a real hard it's a real hard thing here because and, and it, it the, just, the mama yeah. was alien, like <laughs> right, right, and you know it's just really interesting because it just shows that like magic users can look like so many different types of people. They can even look like somebody who just stumbles across a grimoire or a spellbook right. or a magical item, like we talked about, and now they are, you know, something about that item has now imbued them with whatever power that it is. So now they are there is no last known magical user. They are now the magical user. Yeah, I'm gonna have to kind of figure that out. So it's just expansive, really, what it looks like and what it can look like. I always, you know, and we can get into a conversation about this uh, more in depth at another point, but it's like, you know, when I think about like the stories that I like the most within magic users is like, okay, I love a devoted follower to a God. That's really interesting to me. The science <laughs> experiment stuff, we see it a lot on TV, uh, you know, especially in our sci-fi kind of superhero power vein, um, the kind of descendant, the genealogy of magic is also really interesting too, so yeah i think another one of your favorites is you know a power system right which is why we talk about x-men so much um if you know x-men then you know the mutants are kind of broken down into these different levels where you have like uh uh omega level mutant alpha level mutant and so on and so forth right where omega level mutants have just almost infinitesimal power right and they can do so much with their abilities while alpha level they're close but not quite you know (laughs) and these are people that are very powerful however they're not like 
they have limits. It seems like they haven't reached their full potential. Um, and we talked about, you know, the we talked about Aurora Monroe being Omega level. I think there's also just this aspect of this, you know, using magic systems and power systems to 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 divide those people and know where they stand can also lead you to knowing the plot, right? Like if I know mm-hmm. that in the beginning, this user is a a, a, a beginner, right? Like we're going to take Pokemon, for example. I feel like a lot of people are familiar with Pokemon. In the beginning, <laughs> Ash needed a starter Pokemon, okay? He needed a starter Pokemon. He His dream was to fucking be a Pokemon master, all right? So mm-hmm. that already sets up a power system or uh, a, a sector of people that were at different levels. And we, along the journey, get to understand gym leaders, right? And gym leaders had a certain mm-hmm. level of experience, a certain level of power, a certain level of da-da-da. And in the same way, magic magic worlds and magic systems have something like that as well, right? Where we had the beginner, the, the intermediate, the master, and then like these God-level people that are just way more than what they seem and yeah, i think and that's, it, it that's makes always it interesting. interesting yeah like the different levels of like how that looks like makes it interesting because it also introduces you know and of course we we always say like you know we don't we don't fuck with hierarchy like in our actual lives but like hierarchy gives interesting conflict and that's what happens you know when we see it in a lot of shows especially ones where we're developing these magical worlds, we're always, people are kind of fighting against like an oppressive force often. So hierarchy makes sense a lot in these spaces when you have power systems, like who is higher above in level? How do those people who are at the highest level treat the people who are at the beginner level, right? What does that even look like? So again, like you said, it tells us, no, yeah, go ahead. Oh, it just forms the constraint of the world, right? Um, In a way we see that, you know, for our, our period piece girlies out there, you don't go talking to a king or queen any sort of way, right? Because you understand right. the consequences for that. And I think that that's what we see when we see a power system or when we see a hierarchy is yeah. this character having to navigate the limitations that they have, the the political influence Navigation, that they have. Yeah. It's a lot more into that. Even if it's a soft magic system where magic isn't clearly defined, just knowing that this user is more impactful, more powerful in a position to make your life a living hell makes the character act different. Okay. Cause nobody wants to fuck around or find out. All right. They, right, everybody right. wants to have an easy life. <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, so then like to what you were saying, the magic systems tells us a lot about the world, right? Like it's a part of like that world, the world building. It can tell us how like development is impacted. Right. So like how long has, like, does the world know about magic? Has, how does it have an impact on technology or advancement? Again, Avatar The Last Airbender. The world is based on bending. And for so long, they didn't really need much. So there's like thousands of years in their history where they kind of generally like have a similar culture for the most part until, you know, something happens. At least I don't when that's not really explained that much except for maybe in the comics. But between the, the Aang season and the Korra season, right, we see this kind of jump in what feels like they're doing this like 40s new you know henry ford type thing like asami's uh asami that's her name yeah yeah uh, right yeah her her dad is giving like a very henry ford type type built so they're bringing in more technology stuff too but again like these things can show us how they how 
technology is influenced by the magic of the world right um, in those ways and how it impacts the land surrounding them too i think with avatar the last airbender and other worlds like it and i have this opinion on other shows but i feel like we as humans in this world that we know we develop technology to do what magic can't do right like creating a light switch isn't as important if i could uh, create flames whenever I wanted to. That's not important to me. That's not something that I need to develop or put energy into because I myself can generate light. Um, and I think when it comes to Avatar The Last Airbender and this industrial revolution that we see them go through, even though I feel like it's a little fast, I think we see pieces of it in the Fire Nation. The Fire Nation had to develop ways of transportation because they did not have it as thickly as these other systems when earthbenders right. earthbenders baby was just gliding on the dirt honey they were just separating right. no the land and gliding zoom. zoom sandbenders zoom okay um the waterbenders they on ice and sleet and snow all day they just gliding around on penguins and shit like true transportation wasn't oh, necessary for those groups <laughs> look um <laughs> sorry air, that was <laughs> I yeah, they got the airbenders got they look the air glide. You got the hang. So they they right. literally zooming around or whatever. So right, and then they have like, okay, well, We need something. Yeah, yeah so yeah, firebenders yeah. didn't have a direct mode of transportation, so they Especially invented because it because there weren't as many dragons too. Right. So and then when it came to earthbenders, earthbenders decided, you know what, we need transportation, right? So they created this aqueduct system of delivery because that's what they needed for Omashu and for um, Ba Sing Se, where their powers lent to that. It's like, okay, the city didn't got too big for us to be going back and forth and tearing the city up to do this. So because their powers were so destructive in that fa- in that way, they created a system to leverage you moving boulders and i think that's just very interesting or yeah yeah. so a whole host of reasons as to why they developed that way which i think really lends into the magic system structure in the world right um and technological advances wheel of time we got magic on magic on magic baby people still on horses and shit why is that because the blue the blue the blue people the blue uh sorcerers if you will i can't think of their names right now yeah the yeah ajas they they can teleport baby they don't need the horse and carriage they don't need it okay so they're not putting their energy into that the serfs they ain't got enough money to put energy into that and everybody else has this hierarchy so i feel like i mean that world is also an example of one too that's like the world that we situate ourselves in and we're wheel of time is like thousands of millennia like past an incredibly like uh technology technologically advanced world um so something happened and it like kind of reset everything so yeah we're fully into that like well we got magic you know and right. it feels like people are in the dark ages and kind of stuff too because you know what we don't see a lot in that in either the the show series and the books that much is actually what that technological world with magic actually looked like like how did that function um because what which is reminiscent of fifth season oh yeah yeah true yeah that whole notion of like being so far uh fully ahead and having something like basically resets every couple like thousands of years or something like that yeah yeah and that reminds me of an einstein quote where he says um, he doesn't know what weapons will be used in World War Three, but he knows World War Four would be fought with sticks and stones. That's what I think of right. every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because World War Three is going to destroy everything anyway. So right. I love that. The World yeah. War Three is mm. going to reset everything that we know today to the point where we will be back to sticks and stones will, in fact, hurt your bones. Um, <laughs> and then from there, we're having to progress. And I feel like that in itself is dystopian, if you if you will, where radiation changes us. Maybe you have a bunch of Hulk like people that's brawling it out. In you know, after the radiation takes over the earth in World War Three, like that is such a simple way of the magic system or the power system structuring the world in our experience. But I guess a question for you would be what is your favorite magic system? Right? We've talked about abilities, we talked about restrictions, we done hit everything. Yeah. But what what's yeah. your favorite? <laughs> so, okay. When I think about like a favorite magic system like i like to appreciate the growth of the magic system right i want to know how the hell we got here so obviously <laughs> i kind of like hard magic systems but like i really want to know how we got here i want to know the rules of like when i'm thinking of a magic system when i know the rules of engagement i'm good i'm i can understand i can follow along because i know that oh this is how you know we communicate around this this is how we we navigate this kind of space um i think that like Hmm. I'm trying to think of a very specific one that I like a lot. <laughs> I like the um, you know, and we'll get into this more in the B side, but I love Tommy Adeyemi's like magic system way, where it's based on uh children in blood and bone, where it's based on, you know, in this particular system, uh Arishas, right? And these uh particular Arishas gave power to um humans, and then those humans, you know, like they have children who then are are reminiscent of that particular kind of powers um over whatever space it is and i just really love that because right off the bat we understand you know <laughs> what this is and what this is like we have no question about somebody bumbling into a magical world where they don't understand the world right because the magic system is also part of the history what we have in that book that um uh Zeli, uh is having to deal with is knowing that she is magical but never having access to magic because it disappeared right so now learning how to actually use your powers in a world that like killed off all of y'all's elders who knew how yeah. to use this for the most part that's what's really interesting to me right so like when it's setting up some uh when the magic system helps you to set up a journey right i don't like for a magic system to just be there and just kind of exist uh within that way what about you though? What what is your favorite kind of magic system? I mean, I, I kind of established that early on, so no surprises here, but I am a hard magic system girl. Okay. I like it because magic systems have that that hard magic system has limits. Okay. I know that they can't solve every problem with uh bippity boppity boo. Okay. Yep. You I have know, to have community in heart magic systems. Yeah. Right. You you do have to have community. And I feel like you also need a community to establish those hierarchies because there are always going to be that first antagonist and the mean girl of the group or the bully or whoever that is stronger than that person initially that really sets that, oh, this is what it would be to be stronger. This is a step ahead of our protagonist. And then you constantly have people like the teacher or the mentor who shows you, oh, this is what's possible in this world, right? These are what you can use. Um, I think one of the books that I, I like that has a really great, you know, hard magic system or a system that grows, because, you know, I am about growth too. Hard magic systems don't have to stay the same. I don't want you to believe mm, that... Yeah. 
the magic system doesn't ever change or your perception of it doesn't ever change. With hard magic, it just means that we can set the boundaries, right? Even if we move the goalpost, I need you to give me a reason as to why this goalpost is now changed. Is it because the character was ignorant? Is that what it was? I'm reading from the character point of view, the character is ignorant? Or Mm -hmm. is it that this area has a different level of knowledge, right? And right. I don't want to I don't want to go into too many spoilers of the Gilded Ones, but that's that book is a great example of the 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 character's knowledge and the community's knowledge of what the Undying or the Deathless were versus mm-hmm. what the truth was or what the the extra information you find out later in that series is and how that contributed to the culture and the religion in that book. But for a more well known one. Avatar the last airbender. Katara yeah, as yeah. the last waterbender. Katara as the last waterbender so, in the Southern it's a, Tribe. It's a perfect, it's a perfect show. <laughs> like it's, it's, it looks, the first season. It's perfect. Like, it's just great. Okay. So Katara, okay, as the last waterbender in the Southern Water Tribe, had no concept of, of bloodbending. That wasn't even on her mind. She mm-hmm. had no idea that that was possible. And yet Hama showed it to her one time, bitch had it down. I feel like this is an example of how the character's ignorance can be leveraged to further the world, right? Same thing with Zuko and lightning. Zuko not knowing that lightning bending or redirection was a thing did not mean it didn't exist. It meant that his knowledge was limited. And I feel like we see that constantly in that story. Um, There are other books that are like this. The Broken Earth Trilogy. We see the limitations of um, our main character at different stages in her life. Like what she knew as Demaya, who is her youngest form, versus what she knew as Cyanite, which is her, you know, twenties, thirties yeah. era, and what she knows as her Essun. her fully formed as it, what she knows as Essun as her fully formed self is different. It doesn't mean that the world had these limitations. It means that yeah. she herself had these limitations and was naive in the fact of or ignorant of how these powers can be used. However, we learn so much from that from the Alabaster character as far as what it means to be a Ten Ringer, what it means to go beyond, what it means to right. actively do certain things. So for me, hard magic all the way. I, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I don't read soft magic books. Okay, I do. It's just that yeah, I tend to have I, a strong preference they're enjoy- for, they're for hard They're really magic. enjoyable. Soft magic <laughs> is really enjoyable. It's very fun because while antics ensue, wild shit happens hijinks hoodwinks all the time i love it you know if but you can't I, I tell dia makes me read them that's what it is dia makes me read I the do. soft magic do, yes okay i do because they could just be really <laughs> fun and expensive but um you know i think to, to what you're talking about like and what both of us were kind of saying and like what makes the magic system something that we like the most it's honestly i think for the both of us when the magic system is so tied into the world where it influences culture we can clearly see how it makes the world make sense and it illuminates more about the world for us like in in um the broken earth trilogy the whole notion of being an um uh origin right is packed into like how the world physically has like how the whole seasons thing happened in the first place right then you know in the second book we get a or third book whichever one it is we get more of an understanding of like actually not even the beginning of that truly but like when everything kind of went to shit 
like yeah. the first versions of that too. So you know, we had that in a handbag. <laughs> right, right, and and so then you know that makes me kind of think about uh, a next question for you is that like, you know, in thinking about our favorite magic systems and our favorite like ways these worlds look, who are your who are some of your favorite characters? Like magical characters, characters with powers, those kind of things. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, so first I'm gonna have to start off with Jala. Okay. From the, um, you know, Black Sun favorite star. Yeah, I love her so much. And I, I don't I don't want to give away too much of her history and power set because these books, I believe, came out in like 2021, 2022. So I don't mm. know how many of you have read these by Rebecca Rowanhorst. Well, y'all, need to, y'all need to run run to the bookstores. Run. Go get you Rebecca Rowanhorst's Black Sun and Fever Star. The books are great. You need <laughs> to because I'm going to have to go ahead and tell you, I don't know how long I can hold out not giving spoilers to these books for real. Um, so they I'm have until February. They have Do until they? February because we got the Black Author Spotlight in February. So Ooh, y'all got shit. until February before we ruin this for y'all. So you mean I gotta hold out for another six fucking months? I don't know, but okay. Jala, <laughs> love her. Okay, I love her. Love her. Love her voice. Love her setup. Love how her relationship with Serapio really evolves. I just love her in general. Um, for representation's sake, so just so y'all know, okay, homegirl is a lesbian, okay. Actually, she's more bisexual. We're gonna say that she bisexual trending lesbian because she sleep with more women in this book than anybody, if I'm being honest. She she get in trouble for sleeping with women in this damn book. You meet her, you meet her, her going to her, prison. Okay. The first time you meet her, she's going to prison because she she like fucked some chief's wife. Right. And he found out and got upset about it. Honestly. <laughs> And then Mm -hmm. throughout the book, you see her keep getting in trouble with these bitches and she just doesn't stop. Okay. But then you, you later find out that, you know, men and her be having problems, but, um, there are definitely certain points in the book where you realize just how powerful she is. Okay. And that shit is astounding. I love it. Um, I also want to throw in Piper, Piper, the P Hollywell. Okay. Um, Piper throughout the series, whether she was the middle sister, (laughs) we do, we do love Piper, whether she's the middle sister, whether she's the older sister. I love that transition. Love that, that her power set increases and it definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, Piper is that bitch. We could talk about Piper all day. We probably need to have a little mini segment on, on Piper Hollowell because you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor that because we love Piper and we brought her about three times in the last hour and a half. Um, but moving on to magical creatures, okay. One of my favorites is Ixa. Okay, if you haven't read the Gilded Ones, I've brought it up again. But Ixa is like this pet sidekick shapeshifter that um, it belongs to Decca, which is the main character in the Gilded Ones, and this Ixa can communicate with Decca in her mind like they are this creature is telepathic but it is so cute like the depiction is this cat with little horns on it so of course it's adorable okay but it transforms into a dragon so watch yourself all right (laughs) like this thing transforms itself into a dragon and it's just ready to go at her command every day all day and to just be portable it looks like a little kitten and it's so fucking cute and finally, want to give a shout out to, my, to to Rose, okay, from Vampire Academy. I feel like with her, you, she's a part of like this vampire sect where your lineage matters. And I love those type of books. Again, I'm a hard magic system girl. So when uh-huh. <laughs> the lineage of vampire you come from influences your powers, your resistance, your endurance, your strength, 
I always find that to be super interesting. Plus the stuff she gains from being paired up with the noble vampire that she's paired up with. So the mind reading, the shared dreams, all that shit gets wild. Yeah. So those are some of my favorite characters. Um, yeah. Jala, Piper, Ixa, and Rose. So what about you, Dia? Do you have a list? Do you have a, 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 a yeah, I know I kind of stole the show on that one. I had so many. Oh, you're, no, you're good. Do I have a list? I always have a list. <laughs> um, okay, so like the characters that I really like, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking about this question, like what are the characters that I like and also which are the characters that I think do some of the most interesting things, right? The first one that comes to mind, you you know, you you popped up with a few, um, kind of thinking about Avatar The Last Airbender. Toph Beifong will always be an amazing character. Ooh one of my favorite powered characters because she is the example of this is what we can do within limitation upon limitation right and show that like you know beauty and creativity is found within limitation you know top a funk for the few of you who have been living under the rock for the past 20 years who don't know who this is but she is uh an earthbender and avatar last airbender she's one of the ang gang you know the affiliate folks that aren't you know not the chosen one she's not the avatar but she's one of the ones around there um and she's also blind. Uh, so like, so she cannot see, but she's an earthbender. So she's able to sense, you know, through her feet con- uh, connections with the bare earth, her bare feet connection with the earth, they're able to sense everything around her. And because of that, she is like a stronger uh, earthbender than most any other earthbender we ever meet. I think she is the strongest of them. Um, and then as a result of that, she's also able to create a new type of bending because she can use these kind of senses that she's honed through her power to figure out, oh, this is how we can actually bend metal. And yeah, so I, I, I love her because she's just a great example of like a character that you can tell every single part of her was thought of, thought out and thought about. And she still had spaces to go. She still had growth. She still had journey within that. And I think that her presence made everybody else better. Right. Yeah. Like her, and, her, and, and that's why I like those characters. Yeah. I think another thing with Toph is that it shows how the, the creators didn't try to centralize powerful characters or power in the avatar themselves or in Ozai himself. Like it wasn't just a protagonist and an antagonist that were very powerful benders. And we yeah. love that it's off. We love a Bayfon, baby. <laughs> yeah, we love a Bayfon. Um, so of course her. I think about um also within ATLA, I love Iroh. And I love Iroh for a kind of different reason. As a magical character, he's like he it's always hinted at how strong this man is. Um, as far as like being uh, in the Fire Nation or whatever. He was supposed to be Fire Lord, but you know, step down. Baby, the dragon of the West. He's the dragon (laughs) of the West. He's incredibly strong. But the reason why he's one of my favorite magical characters is because it's his personal sense of spirituality deeply affects how he goes about practicing his quote-unquote magic, right? His firebending. So Zuko's entire arc only happens because of Uncle Iroh. Like, the Zuko that we meet in um, uh, Legend of Korra is only possible because of the tutelage and the teaching of Iroh. So again, it's something not only about their magic, but about their personality and about the way they move through life that influences how they use their magic and then influences how other characters use their magic. Again, love that show, love those people specifically. Um, Obviously, yes, Piper. 
We we love Piper. <laughs> we stand Piper. I love you know, and we talk again. We got to do a mini episode on Piper or whatever. But among her having like I think one of the best like uh, character arcs that I've ever seen on television, and I think that's just true. She has one of those. Um, her power is fascinating. And I think to me, her power is more fascinating than any of her other sister's powers because you get into something, you get into more technicalities of Piper's power where she's able to speed up or slow down molecules. And as a result of that, she can like, she can put a person in slow-mo. She can completely freeze them. She can, she can freeze the radius of time around her too. Those interesting things. Um, Let me see. Uh, I think as far as magical creatures, um oh you know i don't i don't deal with magical creatures a lot because you know i don't feel like that about creatures <laughs> uh Shame i you. think um oh well, i think appa appa too again i'm thinking of uh when i think of like a character characters that i you like, are the ones stuck who, like in atla i know i gotta get out of that's that like dragon three, that's like three okay. dragon friends let's oh, move over zim. dragon friends okay Azamandia's. yes we love we love zim he's so sweet you know, Ezrin is my son. Zim is my son's best friend who happens to be a magical creature. But, you know, we we love that character, too, just because of the joy within the seriousness that is that world that he kind of brings. Um, Man, I love Dragon Friends because, oh, my gosh, that Callum, Rayla, come on. Like, the whole, that's another one where oh, yeah. the, uh-huh. the gang is very impressive and you look forward to seeing who they'll be and where they'll go. Yeah. Um, and I love Zubaya's voice. I know. Okay, so Zubaya's is Zim's mother oh, that yeah. wakes up at the end. I don't know who is voicing Zubaya, but that voice is so serene, so nurturing. Mm-hmm. The voice is and voicing. I, the voice mm-hmm. is voicing. I'm like, y'all chose that. Y'all chose that. I don't even yeah. know how y'all see her as imposing, and then you see how she acts with like some of the other dragons, and they like, yes, ma'am, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. so great. But that's another show that we can we can fangirl over later which is the same um creator (laughs) it's the same creator so we actually yeah yeah, it'll be on the list we we just love it all together um (laughs) and uh, a few a few more uh because i i I gotta get on my roll you know i'm I'm, oh you gotta get out of atla okay i'm I'm gonna let you get out of atla (laughs) um well well, uh, i'll I'll go a type of character right and the type of character that i like that i think are always most interesting are not the chosen ones it's the people around the chosen ones it's the gang i always like them a lot more um in a lot of these books because they can't do as much as the chosen one can so so they do like they can they hit the same power intensity within their specific limitation yeah and i just love that i think that's always great and they those characters are what makes a chosen one character better the you know they're part of that growth arc so i really appreciate this so yeah, all yeah. right. That's my yeah, list. I'm with it. I'm with it because I feel like they challenge that character to acknowledge that yeah, you can do all of these things, but you ain't the baddest bitch, and you will never be better than me in my shit. Okay. Um, exactly. And I guess a question for you would be: out of all of these magic systems that we talked about, I know we love Charmed. I know we love ATLA and Animorphs and X Men, but. Has there been a time where the magic system negatively challenged your understanding of the book of the show? And I guess what I mean by that is, is there a time where something happened in the show that wasn't aligned with what you understood of the the, the world in general? Thank you for, for such a wonderful question. Because, <laughs> yes. Because, um, I listen, I love to love. 
but I also love to hate. Ooh. And particularly, listen, I and I watch this. I, I just okay for those who don't know. I just made Ray watch the first uh, film of this because I have I rewatched these films every year, all five. Some reason oh, they're God. close to my heart. I like to suffer. It's a whole drinking game kind of thing. But the <laughs> Twilight series, okay, there was so much that was interesting that was there, but it just. It's a bunch of disparate pieces. It's like when people say, oh, well, you made an album, but it's a series of singles. That's literally what this whole thing felt like. Because the wolves weren't like, the wolves and their power system didn't make as much sense. um, Because it only seemed like the wolves only existed in that particular part of Washington and only with (laughs) those particular Native American people. So you mean to tell me ain't no werewolves around? Like, and they seem to, to and they seem to only operate as an antagonist, as an enemy to the vampires. Like you didn't really learn right, anything right. else. They're, wolf, they're wolfing them, gaining their wolf powers is triggered by the amount of vampires in a vicinity. So it's like it, it's it's. I mean, that would be interesting if that happened across the whole world. Right. But we only see the wolves localized in Forks, Washington. You know, w- with the vampires, one of the things I I love about the the things that Stephanie Myers did with this is like some vampires based on their personalities. So we are led to believe get like an active power as a result. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, if you are a person who like lived for somebody's torture or whatever, you turn out like Jane, I think it's her name or whatever, one of the Volturi. And she's able to like uh, cause people immense pain and torture people that way. Her brother is able to cause people like complete desolation in that. So they're like, they have those kind of powers. You have characters like Aro that can like touch you and know everything that's ever happened to you about your life and read not just your mind, but your soul. You have Edward who can read your mind and those kind of things. Now, but it crumbles when you learn more about these characters because what she gives us as, oh, well, there's rhyme and reason for this is no rhyme or reason. Some characters (laughs) like who I love, but like, why does this character have control over all four elements? What about that personality made me think that, oh, they're going to have control over all the elements. Like, Damn. I don't understand how that makes sense. Why do certain characters get powers and certain don't? Like, that, there's no interesting there's connection no to that. There's no rite of passage for that. There is nothing that yeah. triggers this particular uh, skill set, right? Right. And it's also like, what are the, what are the stakes of this world large? like far from like what are the stakes of the magic in this world right because like the it's just been it's like a vampire war the whole time yeah and and then it's like they don't really have any that big of an impact on the world around them as we see because folks operate you know like they don't know anything of this that exists and i know it's about the hiding part but it's also like they weren't really really thinking about how like like the the implications of like governments finding out you know where's that kind of stuff oh you mean like in my favorite series underworld where we see the implications Uh of humans finding (laughs) out that's all i'm gonna say on that Mm -hmm. yeah we we basically take turns making each other suffer in our favorite favorite franchises um, and yes, I do pretend that the last movie of Underworld doesn't exist, so don't judge me. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> much like I do at Allegiant, I'm gonna gonna pretend on that too. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess for me, as much as I love Charmed, one thing that always annoyed me about this show, the white lighter thing. How is it that every witch has a white lighter? <laughs> okay. But then Piper and Leo can't be together. So he dip off. He dip. All right. And so they don't have a white lighter. How is that possible that that shit wasn't reassigned? 
Right. What happened there? And they're the and they're the most powerful witches in the generation. So it's and like, then, where's the person why they only, to take care of them? And then why is there only one white lighter for Thank three you. witches? Thank you. I never understood Thank that. You. I was like, also, Wait a why minute. does it feel like there are only twelve white lighters in this whole world? Uh, right. <laughs> like, only twelve people can be guardian angels. Look, I mean, apparently, yeah, you you had to be a good, good soul. But I'm just like, these souls come from all different times and eras. I just need to understand, how did that work? The white lighter system did make no sense. And then there's one episode where we go back to the past and Leo has a soul. Like, Leo's soul is in this other character. However, Leo was technically born in, like, 1920 or something because he died in World mm-hmm. War II or World War One or whatever. And I'm just like, it's the episode where they go back in time and the um, power of three is split between the cousins. And so Phoebe's, oh, okay. like, soul is evil or whatever. And we see Leo's soul. And it's just like, but Leo was supposed to be live right now because <laughs> he has to be born to go to war and die. Right, so how's his and, soul? Like, and he was a doctor. Mm-hmm. He was a doctor in the war, so he had to be alive. He wasn't 18. He had to be like 20-something. And, and he was mm-hmm. married because we meet his wife later. It's just, it was a lot with Leo I mean, alone. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. And it really, it really fucked with me on this whole, okay, so white lighters what the fuck and then to well, your point i mean the whole notion of the dark lighters also within that oh, you knew i was going there you knew i was going there how the fuck <laughs> we got angry. 12 we got 12 What's white lighters but we got 379 thousand damn me. dark lighters dark, dark lighters light every up, episode boy. back and forth <laughs> i'm like who are these niggas like who are they why and are then, they here and then why dark lighters got a fucking poison ass dart but white lighters ain't got no shield or nothing like he couldn't make a shield exactly. he could just heal right. or something i felt like they were not equally yoked and i know the whole thing was well you know they're they're evil and they're trying to get you to do dark things and Nah, nah, nah. I'm like, okay, what they got to do with the I, the, I think the savior like, angel not having right. a shield? I think that that show, um, you, you know, and and we talk about this show. We love Charmed, okay, y'all. We like, we love this show. We know every inside and outside of the show. Uh, so when we say stressful things about it, we're not saying fuck the show. We're saying we wish this would have been better. But we I think are that, being like, one of the things that what oh, I was like, we're we're being even here. We're trying to show that yes, we, we yes. even though we loved it, there were things that we were like, what the fuck? Did the writers take a strike? Yeah. Was this during a strike? And we were just too young to know <laughs> it. it? Didn't. I honestly might <laughs> uh, but like like one of the things about this particular um show is that and which is yeah, this is one of the things that's frustrating to me, but they kind of learn and rectify it later, is that it's a really like uh dichotomy of like this is good and this is evil and then only when we start actually getting to understand the demons and knowing that oh wait a minute there are demons who exist in this world who aren't just evil for evil's sake they just happen right. to be born a demon in this way and that's the society that they live in like it, and we didn't really get that in in honestly we didn't really get that in previous seasons like not really we got it more after she died and in with that but to that same thing which leads me to the other thing messed up and brought up charm and now i'm thinking about this too <laughs> i don't like how how few witches outside of them that we see that we throughout see. this entire mm-hmm. series. They, not they had to seven them. seasons, 24 episodes a season. We only get a couple, like we have witches sprinkled in, right? Some of them are evil, I think they had eight And seasons, the only ones but... that become like eight seasons. There we go. So <laughs> a whole 24 more episodes <laughs> but, than I thought. Yeah. But like, 
you get Billy and old girl toward the end, but like we don't see them interacting with other witches often. We see them interacting with other magical creatures and there are other like different types of, of entities that do magic that's really interesting, but what where is like uh the colloquium of witches? You know, magic school is its whole different thing, but it's You like where long. is the coven, baby? Where is the coven? And right. I feel I, I feel you on that because I feel like they put so much emphasis on family and lineage and how lineage of witches brought together and made the book of shadows. It's like, okay, so Melinda had sisters and kids, right? Like there was multiple lineages. Shouldn't they got some cousins or something right. like the Caldwells? What are Caldwells at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, and I, and if it could, because it also kind of goes back to the power of three, they weren't always sisters. Sometimes they're cousins. And so it's like, okay, so what happened to that line? And, you know, even if it's not them, you know, even if it's not other witches outside of their family, we don't see any other family too, too much either. Other than like Mm -hmm. Melinda, the grandma, um, the mom, we don't really see too many, too many outside witches. And then also how we going to pretend like white lighters and witches weren't fucking, that was the other problem because we went from y'all can't be together to having a half sister that's half white lighter, bitch. Come I on. Mean, they said we're gonna close our eyes and act like it's not happening. You know, but it's then, just it's so yeah. But we didn't run into any other ones like that. Like we tried to pretend right. like Paige was unique and then all of a sudden we got Wyatt and Chris that are the exact same, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you can't have all these white lighters and witches spending their lives together and you don't have more of these. But then again, it also makes you wonder about some of these other like half mixes going and coming there. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, that is where I feel like the charm world and really get into it is all of these magical creatures that can procreate and create. Yeah, These because eventually she has kids with the with the magical creatures. So her kids are half witches, half Cupid. Was it Cupid? Yeah. Yeah, it's a Cupid, like a, a love angel kind of thing, which is also going to be interesting. Can we talk about how each sister basically marries or procreates with a different part of the world? So Paige had a human. Phoebe, Phoebe was going to get a, a, she was going to get a magical creature if it killed her. Okay. Because yeah, Phoebe, demon, yeah. it, it was a demon, a demon, and a demon. And then we ended up with a magical <laughs> creature. Okay. Like. Mm-hmm. Baby, her relationship with Cole was so thick, and that was the first introduction to a toxic ass relationship. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I say that, but it wasn't like Leo was much better. Leo was, um, no. Leo was a hot and cold bitch. Okay, he was yes and no. Yeah. He was in and out. He was and, hot and, and cold. And the one thing that Miss Piper said is, "I need you to tell me what to expect." She is she is so not hot and cold. She was like, "Listen, I can't have this. One day we do this. One day we do that." She listen. She she became a god and almost Basically. cracked the earth in half because you was on your bullshit, Leo, and you stayed Baby, on your bullshit. She became a god of Valkyrie, a Wendigo. Baby, she was mad. Piper was that, that angry. was the season where she became a lot of other things like the, while yes. dealing with her grief of having to what, having kid number and, one with this yeah. man, and he yeah. Yeah, wow. Baby, she was mad. And then I think the other thing with that is if I had to say Leo was a fucking Gemini, all right? If I had to give an (laughs) astrological sign, Leo was a fucking Gemini. He was yes and no, hot and cold. He was smart and and, and insensitive. However, this nigga would go off and become an avatar, all right? Then Mm -hmm. Piper 
Piper was giving very heavy Virgo or very heavy Capricorn energy. She is a, she is definitely, I, I want to lean Capricorn because P3, she said she needed money, honey, but yeah. she definitely was leaning on stability. She's like, look, <laughs> I can work with it. I can. Yeah. But then she moved on with her man, Dan. She said, look, I have needs, honey. And if you're not yeah, going to be here, then Dan can get it. All right. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm leaning on. Yeah. I'm leaning on Leo well, was not a Leo. Leo was a fucking yeah. Gemini. And <laughs> <laughs> Piper was a Capricorn. All right. And that's just how that shit worked. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> within that, like bringing us kind of full circle here, too. I, I think a lot of the issues that we've been like going on, especially with this, you know, this one that like the magic system negatively impacts is harder because like you know sometimes things would just happen like also this is a soft magic system right um so in the soft magic system you know like magic is a tool right the characters are somehow ignorant of their powers at one point and they have to realize how magic doesn't solve all their problems but still like it's soft enough that we have all of these other issues that are so unfinished right And, and again again this is we're talking with charm we're talking about a show right so there's a lot of stuff that Evidently, it was up on the cutting room floor. It became a comic after the fact, right? Um. Mm. So I think to your point, in Charmed and in a lot of these soft magic system uh, shows and books, we do have this moment where the characters test out things, right? Because they don't have an idea of the bounds of magic either. Um. In Charmed, we had uh, Phoebe with a love spell. Um, we had charmed, we had that charmed, we had, um, Paige where she wanted bigger titties. So she, <laughs> she cast a spell and it backfired and made her, mm-hmm. made her titties bigger. We had, um, several instances of these hijinks, as you call them, where they would make yeah. a mistake and the powers just did what they wanted to do. While I feel like in those hard magic systems, we don't see that as often because the rules are laid out for them at the beginning. Um, children of blood and bone. That shit is laid out. What you can and cannot do in this faction. Um, you you know, mm-hmm. you can only raise one of these types of people or you can only go into one mind at first if you're this and so on and so forth. Yep. So I feel like in hard magic systems, magic is, you know, a part of the plot and it drives the ideology. It drives the culture. It drives the religion because there are set rules in place, set um, gates of power, if you will, where you have oh. to be at a certain level to do this action. You can't be yep. a level one or trying to do a level three spell. Like that's just not how it's going to go or a level three ability. So mm-hmm. I think that that kind of brings us full circle, as you said, between soft and hard magic systems. But yep. I guess now I have a, I have a little bit of a game that we should play. I'm interested. Oh, we're going to play a game. <laughs> We're going to tussle. Yeah, we're going to tussle now. We're going to tussle because I feel like (laughs) I like hard magic systems. I'm pretty strict on what I consider hard magic versus soft. And I feel like you definitely have a a little bit more of an attachment to soft magic systems and give a little bit more leeway on that. I like hard magic more, but I mm, do open my world mm, to soft magic a lot more than you do. Okay. All right. I'm very very equal on both. Okay. I'm balanced. Sure. Sure, balance. Uh-huh. All right. Uh-huh. But we got a list of books here and series. And I just want to know where Dia would place these. Miss Dia would place these. Because right. 
this is a it's a thick list y'all so hopefully y'all can keep up because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hit it and if i agree then i'll just move on to the next list to the next book if i don't then we gonna have to talk about it because you know i i refuse to just let shit die all right um i guess first on the list i kind of already gave this one away on my thoughts but children of blood and bone where where are you putting yep. it hard as a rock we know where the power comes from we understand how they have it in the first book we have like the full vision of the creation story we see how it happens we're told that every like couple chapters yes hard magic system we know who can do what and who can't do what yeah i I agree on that it's pretty pretty clean on that and we don't see too much bridging so i don't question oh is it soft or not um next children of the red king where are we placing so that the one? Red King, for those of you who don't know, is the Charlie Bone books, like the Midnight for Charlie Bone kind of stuff. Um, that's a hard magic system. And I would say it's hard magic system with, uh, it can look soft, but the reason why it's hard is because like Children of Blood and Bone, you have the lineage. You know exactly how powers came to be, how it happened. If you have one power, for the most part, you do not have another power. The characters who do have another power along with that, they can do something else. It makes sense for the power that they have, right, within that. So it's like, it's very specific. And even like the version, like Charlie, the main character, he has this, this power where he can basically like hear and travel in photographs with transitions to like him being able to read faces too and kind of like get people's memories. But the the part of like the like the lineage that he's from, all of them have these kind of powers of the mind, kind of clairvoyant thing. No one in their family has like an active power except one person, and that's his uncle. And that's because he's an energy booster that just manifests in like electricity sometimes. But he's actually able to deal with the energy like within your spirit and stuff. So hard magic. Okay. I'm about to be like, look, this is supposed to be quick, Dia. We 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 out I know, here. Already. I know. Okay. We'll go quick with the next one. All right, let's go. <laughs> See, but now I want to be contrary because uh, this Poison Heart is next on the list and I need to know, where would you put it? So you want to fight. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, so we do have the history and we have exactly how the powers came to be. But we have the beginning and we have where we end up, but we don't have that middle portion. So we don't really understand. I think that we're in the dark with, we're in the dark just as like Briseis, the main character is in that because we're like, girl, where your powers came from? How do you use them? How can you do all this other kind of stuff? Um, so, ooh. Uh, you just made my, all of my arguments for me. Like, cause I uh, would want to put it, <laughs> I'll be honest. I would want to put this Poison really Heart perfect. more more in the soft side, mostly because it, a lot of it is open. And we have so many creatures that have come out of the woodwork, like Nyx, the Fates, uh, like Marie. Yeah. Um, and oh, okay, we, you know what? We're we going to have a new up. category. We're going to call it category over medium. That's oh, what it is. Is your egg over what? medium hard or easy? Baby. Over medium. Your egg's over medium. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So basically, it's gooey in the center because it's just unformed there. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. I guess. It has a structure, but it's not, you know. I guess. It ain't been cooked long enough, but we like that. So I, I think I'm going to say it there because I want to say it has a lot of hard magic like structure, but it has a soft magic way about navigating the story, um, which I maybe a, a, a natural side effect of like the point of view we're moving through, but still, 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. So cool. Yeah. Because I feel That's like even man, I, I still feel like her aunt also lends to Briseis being different. Um, and that's all I'm gonna talk about on that book because I think these are also fairly recent, yes. but a little bit of spoilers on that. Um, I guess another one would be the Adam Binder series. For those that are not familiar uh-huh. with Adam Binder, this is this is a series that Dia introduced to me, and I'm gonna be real. I had I had walked past these books. I did not pass go. I ain't break stride or shit. Okay, I had no interest in these books. Let me tell you why. The the names of these books. White Trash Warlock is is the first book, y'all. Do I sound yep. like a bitch to give a shit about White Trash Warlock? Absolutely not. <laughs> um Dead Be Drew. But it's so good. Okay. All right. It's turned out to be very Trickster. good. Trailer Park Trickster. Come on. But it turned out to be a really good series. Um I personally would like to call it more of a soft system. Like I said, I'm pretty strict on what's a hard system. And one of the reasons I would put it there, it doesn't really have a lot of form. Like Adam is just out here winging it and his family has powers, but not everybody has powers. Some of his family don't even want to acknowledge that they got powers. I'm going to be honest. The way they treat magic in this bitch is as if he had a black daddy, like or a black granddaddy. Like they don't want to admit that they black. They You're don't want so to have right. nothing with that. You are so they, right. <laughs> <laughs> like his curly hair is from his Jewish side, kind of shit. He like that's how they treat be it. Mixed and it would make could, so much sense. <laughs> he could easily. Oh, be mixed. this book would make really so could. much sense. I he just, already that, gay. He already he, magical. Right. <laughs> he already. He is already okay. Peter Pan on ice skates, honey. If this man would have been a uh, uh, a quarter black or some shit like that, or had ancestry or something like that from his dad's side or from his mama's side, baby, the story would have wrote itself. It would have wrote itself right in. Okay, okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna complicate it a little bit. I'm gonna be a little bit this time around. I think not. Of course, I think <laughs> I would make an argument that we tend more on the side of hard magic here. And the reason I would make that that argument is that like, because the structure of this world of the magic system that's in place, you have the North, South, East, West, like nodes of power centers, right? So like the the main one we deal with is like the, the West, I believe, or the North, where it's like this particular type of Fae is like the head of this thing. And these particular type of Fae have these particular type of powers, right? I the, this this fae they're like uh like the almost like the tarot suit kind of things. So yeah, like, they're like the these queen, people are like the, the sword. Yeah. yeah, and so they're air. They're the court of air and like darkness or whatever, right? There are other courts that are like based in elemental stuff, right? So yeah, there's another like one, cups. and they have different types of powers too, right? So they have that structure, right? They have other magical creatures that exist within this world who can do specific things. They also have other practitioners, and those practitioners all have particular specialties yeah but so adam's but what well let me let me let me try to (laughs) i might change your mind a little bit might answer something (laughs) maybe not adam's particular specialty and what we know of his family's kind of specialty is they deal with again this kind of magic of the spirit and of the mind thing however i think that where all that falls apart is that we don't see any other human magical practitioner in that book, really, Mm-mm. other than Adam and two members of his family. And their magic is definitely not to the level of his magic. I think the other 
other place where that falls apart is even though they have, you know, the the court of cups and the court of swords and the court of whatever, whatever, we don't actually know the limitations and bounds of each level of that. Like the difference between a page, the difference between a but the difference between a page, between a queen, between a king, like we know somewhat of the hierarchy. Like baby, the queen fights all the battles. Whether the queen is male or female, that that's the bitch that's fighting. And the king, whether the king is male or female, that's the bitch that's making the decisions. And they have that hierarchy, but they also have a understanding of who has purview over what. But that's more of a political structure, a political hierarchy than it is a power set or um, very specific. Well, well, because so, so we do see in the book, this is getting in the weeds of this book, um, <laughs> um, but we do see in the book what happens when someone becomes the king seat, right? Yeah. Their power and their temperament and personality change. Change. As a yeah. From, but um, that's, because that's more of being an elf though. The, but yeah, but all the, but the elves are the ones who are the, the kind of magical brokers of this, this world for the most part. They're the, they're the courts. Somewhat because we do have the gnomes or whatever that have control over different towers. Like they argue over that. Of the towers, but not the courts. Well, the courts are their own the their own systems, but yeah. when we talk about the outer that's magical just like realm, the king, queen shit is, yeah, 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 the outer magical realm. Though we have leprechauns, we have druids, we have all this other shit. But to your point, there is a metamorphosis from knight to king for yes. silver, which is one of the, the main mm-hmm. characters or major you know, minor characters. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I would I would say then that because I can't successfully make the argument that this is harder than this poison heart um so i'm gonna say we're over medium we're gonna be over just medium. over medium we are we are a little bit it's a little runny it's a little runny <laughs> a little the structure runny. she's there but she's a little okay runny. okay okay i have a couple for you okay um, i'm gonna i'm gonna try i'm gonna see. try not to make everything so uh all right how about broken earth trilogy Damn. Just because I said I was going to make everything soft, you're going to hit me with one that you already know how I feel about it. Um, mm-hmm. Broken Earth, I'm going to have to put in the hard hard section, mostly because we have a history. We have an origin story. Origin. <laughs> see what I did there? Um, <laughs> I see what you did. That was nice. <laughs> um, we have a pretty particular power set, even levels. Like They set us up with levels in the beginning with a four-ringer when she's cyanite with alabaster being a 10 ringer like we have an understanding of the gravity of what each of these levels mean and what they can do and we also have an understanding of the cost that comes with this where they start turning to fucking stone when they overuse their power and yeah. we start seeing their relationships to the obelisk i feel like there's just so much to this world that really formulates yes. the possibilities and what happens when you have power, but you don't have control, baby, you will be a node, honey. You will just be there to power the machines. And that's an important aspect too, where this world values power, but it also values control and your control and your power is not necessarily tied to your freedom as Alabaster is a clear depiction of where he's a 10 ringer, but the nigga ain't free. They still breeding this motherfucker like a horse. Like this is you know a very hard magic system in my opinion where you have to know the starts and stops to even use this magic appropriately and i feel like Essun defines that for us very well as a character yeah. um okay here here's the last one that i think that you know we'll have a him and haw a little <laughs> bit over 
um, just to kind of see. But uh, for funsies, <laughs> Harry Potter. Oh, God. You know how I feel about this. You know how you feel about it. But um, for funsies, what's Harry Potter? For me, knowing what I know and everything that we have talked about <laughs> with Harry Potter... I'ma had to slide Harry Potter in the soft side. It's just so much unknown things. Like we talk about the flick of the wrist, right? The flick of the wrist with the wand. Sometimes it matters, sometimes it don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. We talk about how even the factions don't even matter. Okay, we are faction bitches. Okay. We love when whatever group you're in factors into your magic system, the way you learn, the way oh, you God, do things, yeah. whatever. In Harry Potter, whether you are Gryffindor or Slytherin or Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, it doesn't actually matter to how you turn out in life. It's really more about your personality. They had your ass take a personality test and then put you in the group. More so mm-hmm. than, oh, everyone in Slytherin is Apostle Tongue. That wasn't that wasn't the vibe, you know? Right. Um yeah. it, it's it's like they're yeah, okay, yeah. So I agree. Uh, I think Harry Potter wants to be a hard magic system. It tried. Um, but I think it completely <laughs> falls through because of a lot of the things that we said, where it's just like, you, you would even see, it's one of those things where, you know what Harry Potter feels like to me? It feels like, you know those, uh, is it cake um, videos? <laughs> Harry Potter feels like that. Where you see something and then you fuck up and you sit on it. Sit on it. And it's a, mm. it's a cake. It's exactly, it's not, it looked like it, but it's it, the texture. Damn. Not I, at I all. Think... That's... Yeah, and I think we also get hit, or it gets hit with the magic not forming the world. Okay, because how we not. in a how we in a world full of magicians and shit, but we having regular court. Ain't no way in fuck Sirius should have been in Azkaban. Ain't no ain't when no truth serum when you had that. Right. We we couldn't right. say bippity boppity truth, nigga. Like what the fuck? We, it, it's like they they can do such expansive things, but also such limited stuff. And you're like, you never gave us a system on what actually the limits to this thing are, right? It's like, for, for the life of me, anybody can use, you know, and of course it takes, I suppose, our own putting on it, it should take a little bit more power or whatever, but anybody can use one of those unforgivable curses, Right. It's just like anybody can use it, and you ain't got to tell nobody you about to Kadidi somebody. You ain't got to tell them that you did it. It don't change you, right? Right. Then, there's no. There's nothing like a type. The type of magic used doesn't actively change you in a way that like makes sense. It's like, oh well, evil comes, and sure, because Voldemort craved power, so he was like, I'm just gonna do something that can kill people. But somebody else can use a Vada Kadaver to save somebody else's life, and that's fine. Like, like we we didn't we didn't know if it was gonna take a drain on your your type of magic or anything like that. Right. So I I think another thing that's at least wasn't defined for me and maybe I missed it. Okay, because I, I I watched the movies, I seen some read some of the books, whatever. But I never quite understood the relationship with muggles. Okay, um, if the wizarding world was supposed to be a secret, so you just had people out here fucking bitches giving birth to children that may or may not have powers and not saying nothing because Hermione's neither one of her parents had powers that we knew of so was they like two blue eyed people was is magic recessive now like what happened there and I just (laughs) I just have so many questions on how houseway and also also like y'all ain't telling me that it's wizards only live in these particular areas like 
like we see in Fantastic Beasts in those movies, they just be out and about, you know, in the kind of world. We know that there are other schools of magic. And I think that's also the thing. JK, Rowland, Joanne Karen, again, girl, <laughs> fuck you. But like one of the things that she did was she created, she kept doing this thing where people ask questions. She was like, okay, we're just going to expand. We're going to say this happened. Yeah, Harmony's black now. We have these, there's a school uh, uh, for wizarding in Wagadoo, you know, and you got in everything now. So it's just like, okay. So we're just opening stuff up and never exploring, never actually defining what this looks like. We had both we had Bob Adams in there, and we don't know what that school is like though. <laughs> like not really. Like we don't know the kind of magic they use. And I think this is where our good sis Cassandra Claire excels. Okay. Cassandra Agreed. was building worlds on top of worlds, lineages on top of lineages, and you didn't even know it. And the shit, she gets better with time. Like, okay, Mortal Instruments yes. was good, but Infernal Devices was great. Okay. Yeah, it was the best. I feel oh, like Ma- that's Magnus my favorite. Bain, another one of my Oh, favorite I do characters. like Magnus. Yeah. Like, I, Cassandra Clare is what JK thought she was. Cassandra really puts the world to the test. Okay, like everything she makes it make sense. The reason why humans don't know about the the shadow hunters is because of the glamours, right? They have right, glamours. Yeah. Um, everybody and, has and a glamour. Sets when things happen, right? Because right? of the man, yeah. yeah. And then there are these spaces that humans feel like just disappeared, right? Atlantis, um, Lemuria, mm-hmm. like all these things. Turns out it was something shadow huntery, right? And right. then we have these these parts of the world that humans just are not aware of in the middle of the ocean because of huge glamours or things that look like abandoned churches that are actually where the headquarters are. We have um, these creatures that humans sometimes can get a glimpse of in their periphery, and that's where mythology come from. There is just mm-hmm. so much she puts into this world, and y'all ain't read none of these books in fucking gears, but I remember this. <laughs> it's, remember, this is yeah. where we're at, okay? Even the the main characters have histories. Everybody has a lineage to the point where their lineage is important to the fucking story. Okay. Like knowing who, like knowing someone is a Blackthorn or a Morganstar or whatever the fuck is important. Because there's something in their blood that also, like it again, it's like some of them have a certain type, like the Blackthorns are kind of weird and a little stressful because they're the descendants of a demon. So, like, yes, that makes sense that they're like that, right? So, right. It's like, and it's then, this... mm-hmm. yeah, and the fair child, the fair children, or <laughs> I'm playing yes. the name is fair child, <laughs> the, but the fair folk, yeah, <laughs> the fair folk. Okay, and it just feeds a lot of that. And then, even in the newer series, you get an idea of like the children of Tess and Will and what it's like for Tess to be um, aging when her husband is not. And you just hit a lot of nuances there. And I feel like the world is so expansive. We know so much about this world, about vampires, about their relationship with werewolves, about the werewolves relationship with demons and fae and fae rules and Mm. all. It's just so much in the world. And and incredibly encapsulating and all right. together in interesting ways. Okay, here's one. Here's the last one for you then. The last one. <laughs> the Cassandra Claire. The Cassandra. Cassandra Claire verse. Heart. Man. Heart, middle. Soft. Because I I I I I have an idea, and I think it oh. actually is. I think it's hard. I think it's a hard. I, I think it's hard because, too because. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we have because I, if, if people can do things out, if humans can do things outside of their. Uh, 
Shadowhunter thing, we have ex- we have a reason for it. It's a magic yeah. sword. It's because so you're related to a demon. It's because your mama's a warlock. You know, we we have there all is of something. That. And I, yeah, yeah. Because Simon. So for those that haven't read the series, Simon is Clary's best friend, who essentially gets this mark of Cain put on him to save his life. But eventually has this whole vampire phase, and then we—he goes through a lot. But basically, they make he non-human by the end of it, damn near. And he—he <laughs> goes through a lot. Simon, baby, goes through a lot. Okay, but and even his relationships are with non-human people. Like one is with a shadow hunter, another one's with a werewolf. Like you just kind of get—he—he he really gets into the world to the point where it's inextricable. Okay, even when the the mark is removed, I think he's left a vampire or something like that. Like, it's just a lot that happens with Simon um, to the point where he even kind of sort of forgets some of his human life, too, because it was a point where he didn't know Isabel for real. So, yeah, I feel like Cassandra Clare really sets forth a hard system. um, Mm -hmm. And she's a great example of the character's ignorance doesn't limit the world. Right. So what we know about the world. Right, right. What we know about the world versus what's actually possible is different. Hence us not learning until later that the Black Thorns was descendant of demons. And we talking about those spanned books. Books and books and books. Like six, seven books in, you find that yeah, shit out. Yeah. Um, in a whole well, other generation well, you, of you niggas. Find, you find that out in the third... Well, is, it, is it series three? I think it's like the you have Yeah, it's another set, series. Yeah. You have the one in past. It's the one with uh, Lady it's Midnight. With, it's that one. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah it's in a completely in different series. Yeah. Yep. And each series yep. is kind of like a time skip and a little bit of this generation versus another generation. So every series that come out builds out these uh family trees. And you and learn she's been going, more, more you know, back and forth. Yeah. So. so you you've been hopping, okay? And yeah. I feel like we like that as well because we grow with some of the characters in some instances where these characters don't feel like teenagers and sometimes they're not like Tess I think was definitely like older she was like 18 mm-hmm. 19 or some shit like that yeah. um and yeah. and then you meet like the future versions of these people so we meet the future versions of the characters in Mortal Instruments mm-hmm. in the next series so they're adults in the next series which gives you a whole new lens of how these characters progress how the world progresses and all this other type of stuff but yeah, yeah. Um, we've been going for a minute. No, I, mean, I, I think this is a good place to end on. No, exactly. I'm just saying, like, right. I think it's a good place to end on, especially with Cassandra Clare stuff, because it really encapsulates all of the best of what we've been talking about, right? Like, it has its issues, but, like, the way the world is, like, stretched out and created, it, I think, is emblematic of, like, a lot of these ways that are incredibly planned. There's always something, there's a reason behind everything. And I think, you know, that's that's the... That's a great cap to the end of this episode. Yeah, we've been going for a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But I think one of the things with this is you see how, how much we love our fantasy and sci-fi worlds. And establishing these hard and soft systems just really helps us know if we like something or not. I tend to be a hard magic system girl. That means yep. usually in the first chapter or two. I kind of know where the world is going because if I don't see one of them rules somewhere, that means we finna be balls to the wall on whatever the fuck. <laughs> and, sometimes, and sometimes I like soft stuff because 
it's just interesting to step into something that you don't know. It's unknown. And if I don't like the book after half the book, I'll put it down. But, you know, like it's nice to just kind of uh, step in a space where the rules are being defined as you're reading and around if there are rules in the first place. Right. So, yeah. But hopefully you have enjoyed this episode and come back for the B side of this. If you thought we went in on this one, just wait for the next one. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for another episode of Black Worlding. We hope you enjoyed every minute of it. If you've been inspired by the incredible authors, characters, and narratives we explored today, we encourage you to continue the conversation with us. Be a good play cousin and connect with us on social media. Share your thoughts, favorite moments, and your own book and show recommendation. Remember, the power of storytelling lies not only in the words on a page or the scenes on a screen, but also in the discussions that ignite and unite us. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your favorite platform. Your feedback and support means the world to us and helps us reach even more listeners. Together, we're creating a space where our voices are heard, our stories are celebrated, and every listener is valued. Thank Thank you you for for being being a friend. friend.